Hello, everyone, and welcome to January 1st, 2020. It's the first Weekly Mag recap of the new decade. We made it to the other side, Chris. Mm. We're here now. Is it really the new decade, Nick? Because in a way, doesn't the decade start in 2021 uh, and then go? I know, I know, I know. There was no year zero, man. Uh, Whatever. <laughs> It's like if you ever want to be the most pedantic fuck at a bur- like at a party yeah. that no one wants to talk to, that's how you should start. Be like, are we really that's in the new de- decade yet? Anyway, I don't think that we should be wearing the glasses that have the years on them because they were initially designed with only the aughts in mind, and now just putting the numbers over the eye completely ruins the aesthetic. So you should stop wearing them. <laughs> I'm. <laughs> they're not wrong, but. Don't but be I, st- about it. I still want to punch you in the throat. <laughs> yeah. So, Nick, how did you kick in the new decade, 2020? I had work. Well, there you go. I got sick. So we both started off on the right foot. I might I, I might also be coming down with a little bit of a, a, a cold. So hopefully not. But yeah. uh, I'll, I'm sure I'll know. I'll have a better idea tomorrow. Supposed to today. I had to take like a five-hour power nap before this to try to kill off as much of the sickness as I could. So if I seem a little disorganized, it's because I didn't use all the time I needed. But also, if you hear me sniffling a lot, I apologize in advance. I did everything I could to try to kill before the show, but you know. And we appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but hey, sometimes things slip through, and uh, I don't really know where I was going with that. So Nick, <laughs> let's talk about manga. All right. We We've had, got so much to talk about. This was a busy week in manga, and because we didn't do an episode last week, because it was Christmas on the day we normally record the show, and there wasn't really a good day for us to record a makeup. So we're going to talk about the manga that was released before Shonen Jump went on a break. Uh, and we're also going to talk about the annual retrospective stuff. It's going to be a pretty packed episode, so we're just going to dive right in and get to it. Recap portion of Weekly Manga Recap. It's My Hero Academia, chapter number 255, Hero Hopeful. Uh, so this wraps up the whole thing where turns out Kurogiri was actually Aizawa uh, and President Mike's uh, old classmate. And they seem to be on the verge of getting through to Shirokumo and... Uh, uh, to the point where Kurogiri's weird shadowy face actually starts to kind of take a more solid form, which somewhat resembles uh, Shirakumo. Uh, and he manages to start gasping something out. Uh, and at Aizawa's urging, he manages to say, hospital. And that's it. Before suddenly everything uh, starts to go, his body starts to go wild again, and then he falls unconscious. So... Um, they're that's basically all they're able to get out of him. Uh, Aizawa was crying. Oh, he claims that just dried out. It's it's just raining, Chris. He's not actually sad. Yeah, he's a big tough man. Well, isn't this uh, what was it? it was some? I I know it went viral, I guess, for whatever the fucking Twitter manga community is. But the person who was like, nothing happened this week in my hair academy. Just a bunch of grown dudes crying. It's like, I guess Aizawa agrees with you on that. He's like, no, I'm not crying. I'm a big, tough, no. I'm a big, tough man. I don't cry. He's like Zoro uh, after taking the uh, Kuma thing. He's like, nothing happened. Well, that was just being a bamf, Nick. That was, that was just the guy being a bamf. 
Zaizawa just being like, yeah, I, I watched the end of Croco. Sometimes I watch the beginning of Upfall by the end of Coco, and I don't cry at all. Be like, you're lying. You're lying. You're, you're, lying. <laughs> you're a piece of shit. <laughs> um, they haven't really gotten any solid answers or anything. They're glad to have gotten at least something out of it, but they didn't manage to get any specific intel, of course. Um, Gran Torino reflects on how uh, All for One was mocking them before, saying, uh, you don't understand, making it's this is like making wine, trampling the grapes to extract their juice. Uh, so they're like, eh, we still don't really get it. But another clue has been added to reveal eventually, I guess. Um, so, uh, I believe, I don't believe this is Tsukauchi, but if you put a plain looking guy in a suit in My Hero Academia, I'm going to assume it's Tsukauchi. Oh. I don't think it's him though. Uh, he messages, uh, Hawks's agency and they pass on the word to him about, uh, and then they, uh, signal to him about a disturbance at Wakaguma hospital requesting rescue. And Hawks replies back that he's busy. And uh, that's because he is in the, uh, I forget what the fuck they're even called at this point. Oh, the Paranormal Liberation Front? Yeah, yeah. He's in with them, so he's like, all right, yeah, I'm busy. So he just tosses the phone away after just saying that. Um, and he passes off. It's like, okay, yeah, it's it, it's here at work. Yeah, I've got, I've got work to do here, though. But he thinks to himself, ah, the pieces are in place. All that remains is... We don't get the rest of his thought. But they were able to covertly pass on word to him about what they had found out, basically, is the point of this. Anyway, then we cut to the doctor, who's um, got Shigaraki hooked, strapped to a bed and has stuff, like, pumping into him, and there's blood flying out, and he's laughing like a mad scientist. So, yay. I really... I, I'm not sure... What he's, I think it's because he's, he was previously being restrained or something like that, but it really does look like the dude's like crab walking and like hip thrusting or something like that. He's like, this is the best fun I've ever had in my life. It's also hard to tell exactly who is laughing. If it's him, if it's Shigaraki or if it's the doctor, cause you just see the ha sound effects and they're not really tracing to anyone. So. Yeah. You just see those Joker like ha ha ha's Nick. And somewhere out there, a 14-year-old just found their new idol. They're like, I should be like Shigaraki. I'll also laugh at the world that doesn't understand me. And then I'll I'll kick dance to a song that just makes me seem really white. So I didn't I actually realize that was a real song, by the way. I was like, no, that's like a thing they made for, for sporting events, right? No, it's a real song. I was like, no. Like the some, 70s. Some yeah. dude just like eventually was like, like they couldn't figure out words for it. Put actual music to it, and then that's the song, guys. And I'll give it to you for free. Like, oh. So, yeah. That's that's it. I can see how someone would say, like, nothing happened in this. But it's one of those things where it's like, I'm sure that this will lead to something where you're going to be glad that the chapter existed to help set it up later. And we mentioned before that I feel like a large part of the emotional core of this kind of undercut by us not having that side story to establish this relationship between the three of them. So this might also be a much better chapter if you've engaged with that. Now... What we normally seeing, do. I was seeing Sh- Sh- seeing Shirakumo's face coming out of Kurigiri's void thing is a really cool visual, yeah. I will say, though. Oh, and what, uh, all for one's face as well when he's just talking about squishing grapes is a great face and a great line. 
but the way he's our... just act, he just really likes wine. Yeah, I mean, that's it's nothing nefarious to that. <laughs> and who does it really with the way the world works today? Who really just isn't into some wine? Uh, guys, so the way our retrospective year-end episodes would normally work is we would do them separately, uh, usually during one of the two weeks that Jump would be off, right. and because it kind of didn't function that well for us this time, uh, we're going to be doing it in combination with the regular episodes. So the way we're going to be doing it, one of the big parts of it, is to talk about where that series has been over the course of a year, and specifically trying to make Nick guess... <laughs> Where the series was exactly at the start of 2019. So, Nick, do you remember? And I've done no, I've done no preparation for this. This has to be just literally what I remember. Yeah. So, Nick, where do you think my hero was at the start of 2019? I believe that, and I and I have actually been thinking about some of these over the last couple of weeks or so, trying to just. I, I haven't been like going back and checking or anything, but I've just been trying to remember. Uh. And I believe that given where we were at certain points of the year and kind of working my way backwards, that it was right around the time that the hero rankings were revealed with Endeavor being number one and Hawks number two. And then they did the whole thing with the new model Nomu. So it was actually during the class one A versus one B fights. Those were. Oh, OK, up. I thought those, I thought the, I thought that was that happened later. So, no, this was actually we we started and it was the very end of the class one A fights. It's literally the end of the chapters when Deku meets the whip guy that's inside of really? his brain or whatever. Yeah. And that that my villain arc lasted way longer than I thought it did. Yeah, there's quite a few on this <laughs> list that when I put them together, I was like, shit, that one went a lot longer than I thought it did. So, yeah, there's quite a few that are a little surprising. We're like, I guess not actually all that much happened during this year. So if you were looking at My Hero, you'd be like, there was the end of that arc, then sort of the My Villain arc, and then what we've kind of had recently with the the small like hero exam studies. And then yeah. there was smaller stuff in between there. There was like the the Christmas stuff and things like that in between there, but... Yeah, no, no wonder it. No wonder it feels like the heroes haven't done anything in my hero then, uh, because literally they just weren't around for most of the year, <laughs> and not really doing like super heroics either. Like even at the end of that, you're like, hey, they're kind of still fighting each other though. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. So I was basically off by about one mini arc. Okay. Yeah, yeah you were pretty close. <laughs> you were pretty close. Well, all right. So with that done. We're going to move on to Spy Family. Kind of. It's uh, it, it's one of the side mission chapters. Uh, the point of this chapter is it's just a little it, it's not connected to any of the stuff going on currently in Spy Family with uh, with the dog uh, that they're getting for Anya or anything like that. This is actually about Frankie uh, Lloyd's contact uh, and um, device hookup guy. Uh, he wants Lloyd's help, and so they it start the chapter starts off with them like meeting in an alleyway. Frankie's trying to look all cool by like you know put his hand in his pocket. He's got a cigarette in the other hand. He's like, I've fallen in love with someone, and Lloyd's just like, Okay, bye. <laughs> just leaves him me. Wait. <laughs> but Frankie basically the whole point is that Frankie want needs Lloyd's help because he's like, Hey. You you you've got a wife and a kid. You know, I need your advice. I need your help on doing this stuff. And you know, you you and so he they go to meet in a in a for coffee to talk over what they know. 
And Frankie's like, oh, yeah, this is this girl named Monica McBride. And he recites all this information about her. And Lloyd's like, you've been stalking her. And Frankie's like, you do that with everyone, too. Yeah, but I'm a spy. I'm supposed to do that. So, uh, Lloyd tries to prepare Frankie with like this huge conversation flow uh, chart to get him prepared for the the next time that he sees the girl. And then even actually dresses up as her kind of to uh, go over with him. But we kind of montage through all that. Then Frankie goes to see the girl and we don't actually see how the conversation goes out. Uh, we see Lloyd with his family and they happen to come across Frankie. And uh, so Lloyd's like, oh, weren't you going to do the thing? He's like, oh, yes, yes. My date with Monica. I extended a proper invitation, but apparently she'd forgotten to shut off a gas line in her home and needed to run back to take care of that. But you said we may have a movie some other day. Yeah, it's great, right? And so... Anya just kind of stares at him, then like pats his arm comfortingly. We don't actually see her reading his mind. So maybe he's just that obvious and how and how big a lie he's telling. So he he was going to go draw his sorrows at the bar. Poor guy. Lloyd shows up later. Lloyd shows up later to, uh, you know, have a share a drink with him and kind of have make company with him and kind of comfort him. And uh, then the very last panel in the page in the chapter is uh, Anya playing at the park. Meanwhile, yours in the background, skipping across giant columns or something. Yeah, it's just uh, stuff they that people do, I guess. Mm. I can remember. So when I worked downtown, I used to walk across like past the state capitol. You have to understand this is Pennsylvania. It's Harrisburg. Uh, despite the fact we're like a major state, the Capitol sucks. Like the Capitol building's like fucking lame as shit. The craziest thing is that in October they dye the fountain water pink in honor of breast cancer awareness month. And I'm I'm a hundred percent serious when I say that's the most interesting thing Capitol does. But every so often you'd see tourists who would arrive there, and you're like, why did you come here of all places? And the one thing I would always see them doing is there's a path to drive into the Capitol building, but you can't have it accessible at all times. So it has like these giant steel columns that rise up and have to be lowered for anyone to go over it. And you'd see people just standing on top of the columns. And every time, and it's exactly what looks like yours doing, where you're like, you just see people kind of walking across them. And you're just like, is this what you came to Pennsylvania for? <laughs> like, like you didn't, you didn't do the research. You're like, yeah, all the cool shits in, in Harrisburg, right? Like the, the bell and the Rocky statue and those big stairs. Like, no, <laughs> you saw it. it's our columns that lead into the fucking Capitol building and the water it's, it's August. So the water's normal colored. So that's it. It's always weird. Whenever the capital of a state is not like, the one that it should be. Yeah, well, it's like barely in the top five cities that people think of when they think about your state. Like, what's the capital of Florida? <laughs> Isn't it Tallahassee? It's Tallahassee. Okay. But like, if you go through, it's like, what's yeah, Miami, Miami, Tampa, Orlando, Jacksonville. Yeah. So, yeah, you're like, do you know why Tallahassee is the capital of the floor of Florida, Chris? Oh, is it probably to get it away from the disgusting, like bottom part of it? No, it's because when it was chosen as the capital, it was located equidistantly between what were the two biggest cities in the state at that time, 
which are now things that, you know, aren't even in the top 10 cities you would think of in Florida. <laughs> I was say, your state has three football teams. Not a single one of them is in the city that's the capital no. of your state. <laughs> Just a college. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nick, where do you think Spy Family was at the start of 2019? I believe it didn't exist. Yeah, there you go. So that's, yep, there's a couple. There's going to be a few that'll be really easy for me to get. I'm, I'm not going to lie. We actually have a bunch of series this year that have started kind of within the whole kind of roundup, especially because we've been talking about a lot of them. So there's quite a few that should be relatively easy. Mm. Uh, anyway, this chapter was all right. I actually have to wonder because uh, Monica, this girl that uh, Frankie uh, has a crush on, is very like she she's her image is quite large whenever it appears on the page so i wonder if she might actually pop up again at some point in the future it's you know it doesn't strike me as like i just you know randomly drew some lines for this character for this one joke chapter so possibly frankie's woman woes might come up again in the future maybe all right eden zero ah i thought we should borrow it to it before it all right Whatever. I might have it in the wrong order. Did I, I, uh... I might be wrong. I, I forget where these two always go. So we'll just do Eden Zero. So uh, Eden Zero, Chapter 76, Rebecca versus Sylph. Uh, this is a big fight chapter. Uh, it is. It's a space battle, which is surprising when it's like, yeah, it's the wind user versus the person who has speed legs. How do they fight? Uh, in giant, space, giant, where there's a vacuum. <laughs> a giant space dog fight. Like, okay. Uh, which is actually a pretty cool fight. Like, there's a lot of chaos kind of happening, a lot of stuff. There's honestly not a ton to say about it beyond just recapping all the action as it happens. Uh, mm-hmm. We find out Sylph kind of has some obsession with somebody else or just a weird way of phrasing. She says specifically that wind, I will stop it for her. She also later refers to Rebecca's wind as being stopped. So I think it's just a weird way she says it. But I don't know if she says I will stop it for her is her saying I'm going to stop it for somebody else. Or just a weird way of saying I'm going to kill Rebecca and like kind of switching tenses around to be confusing. Uh, we do get a be- uh, a brief little like look in on sister's torture session with I, I don't remember stretchy girl who mm-hmm. we know she had kind of like goo like consistencies. Well, she's a goo person. It's not yeah. a super shock. She just goos out of the ropes and they're like, all right, well. I guess we'll let you go now. <laughs> and it's uh, like, yeah, all right. No one's ever defied uh, Dragon Joe and Lid. So here we go. And then uh, the crew is hanging out over at Saval's place. I can't remember his exact name, but Saval, one of the sins like that. They're hanging out there. Rebecca is uh, trying to head towards that direction, but she gets trapped inside of a wind ball of some kind by Sylph. So yeah. Uh, along with along with happy she just kind of shrinks them down to a little wind ball and you can hear them going help yeah so it's curious to see if every member of the elemental four has some kind of weird (laughs) incapacitation ability or i was thinking the same thing you know they we've seen two of the three scenes so far transform their victims into their element in order to capture them uh so yeah, it's 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 odd, and it doesn't make them seem very different from each other. 
Maybe the, uh, maybe the way the fire sniper kills you is he hits you with a bullet and it turns you into fire. <laughs> and then he lights you on a candle and you're stuck as a candle. Oh, no, until the candle melts all the way. And then everyone stops and they're like, I don't understand. If you have a sniper rifle and you have to shoot Why don't you just one. shoot someone in the head and kill them? <laughs> they're like, no, no, no. It's the Elemental 4. Dragon Joe's very specific. We have to live up to the gimmick. All right? It's 2020. All right? <laughs> Fucking kayfabe's dead all over the place. You got to stick to your gimmick. And that's why MJF is the best wrestler on Twitter. He's really not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I well, The other note that I made about this chapter, just reading through it, was uh, apparently Hero really liked Darling and the Franks, that anime that came out last year with the girls that were piloting mechs while taking a doggy style position in front of their co-pilots because she's like bent over on this like motorcycle looking kind of seat. And there's a lot of shots of Rebecca from behind. And uh, it's like, oh, hey, they're shooting stuff. And there's Rebecca's butt again. And uh, it keeps on happening a lot. Yeah, I, mean, I don't even know how you can even fit a camera back there. It doesn't seem like there's enough space in that cockpit to get the point of view in. No, not really. Uh, I guess I should also mention that Rebecca does manage to use her ether gear inside of the ship. It's the so, most consequential thing to have. I was like, I guess that's ship. relevant to a certain point, <laughs> but yeah. Um, now here's the important thing, Nick. Can you guess where Eden Zero was at the start of oh. 2019? Now this is Hero is probably the toughest tough. in the world. Because his pace is by far the most erratic in comparison to everybody else. So do you run the risk of going too far back? And then right. be like, no, Hero did seven arcs this year. <laughs> well, because... Okay, if I think of it in turn, Maybe I should, instead of trying to work my way backwards, I should start from the beginning and try to work my way <laughs> forward. Because that means that it would be, would be around chapter 27-ish. Uh, okay, I think that if we do, if I think of the furniture guy, that's probably going back a little too far. Oh. I'm going to say that it is... <sighs> <laughs> I'm going to guess that it is the moment where the real sister is revealed. That is exactly. Yes. That. It is the fight between the real sister and the fake sister, but it is on Gil. So it was that same arc. So you have to remember there was that arc. That was the entire arc inside the hacking video game. There was the yeah. entire Homura arc on Sun's Jewel and we've already introduced three of the four elemental four <laughs> after beating the initial four whatever horseman bullshit. So we have gone through. You you just had to always remember Hero's pace is like two arcs faster than you think it humanly should be capable of being. So three of and also like three of the four empresses or whatever they're called, the generals of the Eden Zero have been introduced or joined the crew rather in this single year. Yeah. Like I mean, so. everything basically was within. I mean, we also met Zhao Mei, our favorite character. <laughs> I believe that was all contained within this year as well. So that, that, that did happen. Yes. With all of the little mini fights that she had them do. Actually. Yeah. Zhao Mei became an actual character in this year. God. All right. 
<laughs> Next thing, oh, finally, I'm on the board. Boruto, Naruto Next Generations, chapter number 41, the new Team 7. Last time our heroes came up against Boro, who was guarding the weird Voss thing that Naruto was captured inside of, and Kawaki and from the effects of the strange dark mist that emanated from Boro's body. Uh, this chapter begins with them trying to figure out what it could be. be. They basically, uh, Kawaki breaks down for them why his karma didn't work. And he basically says what that means is that the mist is not chakra originated. Uh, it could be chakra manipulated, but, but uh, he explains the difference of like, okay, if water is created by a shock, by a jutsu, Karma can absorb it, but it can't absorb water that is manipulated by uh, chakra. So it's energy versus physical matter, essentially. So Mitsugi's like, well, I had my snake absorb some of the mist so we can analyze it. Uh, Sarada, use your Sharingan and uh, determine what it is. And Sarada's like, it can do that. And so she focuses her Sharingan as a little bit of the black mist comes out and she says, it's viruses. So you guys have contracted an illness. So they're like, all right, well, we've got to we've so uh, there's no juice that produces that. So it's got to be the or, from scientific ninja tools. So, OK. Uh, so Mitsuki says, all right, well. Now that we know about that, we can do something about it. But before we actually go and try and fight this guy, this is the new Team 7, and we need a commander who can keep us unified as a squad. Uh, And he nominates Serata basically right away, saying like, hey, you you called the retreat earlier. We would have already been wiped out if not for that. So we need we should follow your lead, I think, you know, and that means that you're our captain and we need to follow your decisions, you know, immediately as opposed to hesitating. And immediately, Boruto says, why does Serana get to be the commander? <laughs> You're like, no. It's not going to be you, you stupid little shit. <laughs> when, like, two pages earlier was him being like, darn it, they're using ninja tools again. They're favorite toys. <laughs> it's just him like, this doesn't oh, count. <laughs> Game Boys are art. <laughs> So Sarada's a little bit taken aback by this, but Kawaki's like, yeah, let's do it. And Bort's like, fine. So she says, meh, okay. And so she does kind of dork it up a little bit by saying, well, Captain Sarada does have a nice ring to it, though not quite as nice as Lord Hokage. We get it. You want to be Hokage. You want to be the Wizard King. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a bit of a time skip happens. Sarada goes and, crunt- and confronts Boro. And so he's like, oh, you're you're going to fight me alone, eh? It it uh, stunned me at first because you see the panels and you see like the big panel with the shunk and you see her big high heeled shoes like land. And I was like, I fucking forgot she fights in like six inch high high heeled boots. <laughs> Mitsugi's like, Serata, if you hadn't worn those weird shoes, then we would have probably gotten away a lot faster. So clearly you shouldn't be our captain <laughs> until you get better footwear sense. It really, you like, it's the moment you look at you like, I don't know if there is a more impractical outfit a human being could wear than like a tiny, like a super small pencil skirt with like, like six inch high heels. You're like, time to do gymnastics. <laughs> like, all right. 
Well, if Dr. Stone has taught me anything, Chris, it means that the strongest member of the village wears a tiny dress and bizarre shoes that can't be good for <laughs> combat. No. That is true. Boichi Sensei, help us. <laughs> so, Serato flat out tells Burrow, we know that you use a scientific ninja tool to release a virus. And he's like, okay, so what are you going to do about it? Um... He goes up after her, starts shooting lava blasts at her. We get a pretty straightforward fight scene for about a third of the chapter, if not more. Yeah. Uh, and they're just exchanging blasts uh, from their assorted abilities. Boro ends up uh, kind of going into hiding in the in the uh, terrain and darts around her so that he unleashes more of the virus. Uh, so she's kind of surrounded by it. So she takes up into the air, trying to jump out of it, and he knows that this is her only escape route, so he immediately cuts her off and punches her back to the ground. She gets ensnared by the virus, uh, and he's like, ah, ha, ha, you're going to lose control of your body very quickly because it's so fast-acting, it's too late for you. And he picks her up off the ground, holds her by the collar. She starts to weave jutsu hand signs, and he's like, ha, soon you'll be so paralyzed, you won't even be able to move a finger, just like how your friends are. And Strada's like, well, since you brought me so close to you, that means I can't possibly miss. And she does the uh, Uchiha fireball jutsu thing, uh, starts punching him in the fucking face, and then she shouts out, all right, come out, boys. And uh, Boruto and Kawaki jump in, Boruto summons a Rasengan and Kawaki touches his back so that their karmas link up and it gets even more powerful. And they blow the fuck out of Boro. His entire upper body is blown to bits. I, so you assume that since there's still like 10 chapter or 10 pages left in the chapter, he's probably OK. And it seems like kind of a weird thing. But there is a moment where his body explodes and the hero's like, yes, we did it. And I was like, Jesus. <laughs> We brutally murdered him. You didn't just kill him. You fucking eviscerated 50% of him. Uh, It's really doesn't. It's not a good look for a 12 year old to be like, yeah, I completely destroyed his head. (laughs) They won't have enough to bury anymore. High five. All right. High fives for closed casket. (laughs) And they're like, wonder, all right. I wonder if they have half a suit to bury him in. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the one Liv Morgan wore. <laughs> here, here, look, Porto, he has a family. <laughs> so. Think about how much money they'll save on embalming. 50% off. <laughs> okay, I think we might need to take you to a therapist or something. This doesn't seem like a normal response for a child to have. <laughs> What? He was using scientific ninja tools. He wasn't even human. <laughs> he might as well have been a monster. <laughs> he was some kind of freak man. Him and his toys. Like, look at this. Bartlett's a pacemaker. <laughs> yeah! This monstrous technology! I'll rip it straight out of him. You know what? While I'm here, I'm just gonna rescind get it out of existence. <laughs> He just starts, like, pissing on the rest of the body. <laughs> I have to make sure whatever other ninja tools are embedded in him don't work. <laughs> Boro regenerates. He's fine. No! Uh, 
Uh, and I like how Kawaki's like, ah, I completely forgot about your regenerative abilities. You just said that he had regenerative abilities like a chapter ago. <laughs> He's like, I forgot that very notable thing that all members of that like group kind of have. And that really should be always considered when fighting them because you really don't know when you've actually beaten them. But you know what? Just slipped my mind, you know? It's kind of, there's a lot to look at out here. You mean the featureless expanse of ground and clouds? Yeah. <laughs> so much to distract you. <laughs> look, another rock. <laughs> All right, guys, before we go into this battle, there's something very important I need to tell you. It could possibly mean the difference between life or death. You see, I remembered that the black mist that comes from Boro's body is, ooh, a rock. <laughs> Guys, does that cloud look like a giant sea of clouds to you? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I never realized. That rock's brown. What do you think about it? You know, rocks could be like all sorts of different colors, but so many of them are brown. And yep, those are brown, all right. Yeah. What was I talking about again? <laughs> nice shoes, Serata. <laughs> I'll bet they're great to wear in combat. <laughs> so weirdest part of the chapter for me, even putting all this insanity aside, is that when Boros fully formed, he's like, the antibodies worked. I swear I just heard Boruto say that. With what? <laughs> Your head was missing. Oh, I have uh, ear vents on my knees. So, you know, that was really on your, you know, that was really a, a boo-boo on your part. I've got a second nose in the back of, on the back of my elbow. Yeah. <laughs> so, Boro's like, all right, well, but the antibodies that neutralize the virus only exist in my bloodstream. So how do they get a hold of the, oh, right, Mitsuki's snake was biting my arm. So I guess it drained my blood when it was injecting venom into me. Since that's how things work. Anyway, so they harvested the antibodies from inside of Mitsuki's snake the same way that they used it to examine the virus. So uh, now they have immunity against the virus. Hooray. Uh, Borat is like, all right, your cowardly virus tech's not going to work anymore, old man. I'm going to fuck you up. And Serrata's like, hey, hey, stick to your plan and don't let your guard down. Borat's like, yeah, I know. And so they all surround him. Uh but Boro's just like, well, I'm just going to disrupt your teamwork then. And he immediately bum rushes towards the thing that's imprisoning Naruto. Uh, Kawaki uh, rushes after him and uh, disrupts the formation. So what's going to happen now that their teamwork apparently has been broken up so easily? This is a really good chapter. Uh, this was a really good fight. It's cool seeing that there's like actual tactics and strategy being used in, in Naruto again. We we kind of mentioned that last chapter as well that you know there was actual strategy going into this fight. It wasn't all just like six like or I guess most recently just two super broken characters kind of fighting against each other really. So mm -hmm. I, I thought this was super satisfying. It's nice to see that big moment for Serata then being like, you know, we need a captain. If this is gonna be a new team, we need a captain. It's gotta be you. You know, you're the only one that got us out of here. And uh, it's it's nice to see like we're still going with the idea of like Sarada's the actual like leader of this team, and it's a different sort of story with the with Naruto in that way. So I, I really mm -hmm. enjoyed. it. I thought this was a really good chapter, Boruto. Naruto's old team didn't really have a leader beyond Kakashi, Kakashi or Yamato later because they the kids were never really left to their own devices, and then nominated a leader because yeah. they were together for such a short actual time. So. Yeah. Hmm. 
So, Nick, <laughs> this is a hard one because there, like, there were only like 12 fucking chapters of Boruto this year. So do you remember where Boruto was at the start of 2019? I am going to say that it was at some point in Naruto's fight with Delta. It was right as that was kind of starting. It, the, 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 the chapter was the two of them basically fighting, but none of them like revealing all of their cards quite yet. It was kind gotcha. of like their, their test back and forth old thing. So um, not actually a ton happened in, in Boruto over the past year when you look at it like that. Well, there's only so much when the chapters cons- have consisted largely of extended fight scenes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And it's only, you know, there's only 12 uh, of them. Basically. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's not a ton of room for it, but it was interesting. It was like, I guess there was just that the stuff with Naruto and Sasuke versus whatever his name was. And then this. So. <laughs> yeah. And there were the, the little, you know, uh, quiet moments in between, too. So. All right. <clears throat> so we on from there to a gravity boys. Chapter three, I'm going to be 500 AU. So this is a chapter. That's a reference to fucking the Proclaimers, isn't it? I guess. Yeah. I don't know what 500 AU means, but whatever. Uh, Is it a poop Uh, joke? That's all I remember from this chapter. (laughs) It was a poop joke. Uh, This entire chapter was about poop. Now, it was also a chapter that largely focused on Geralt's character, the uh, really smart member of the group with the glasses, and uh, essentially how he relates to the rest of the group, how they ended up meeting him. Uh, But all of this is put into the context of he's got really bad poisoning, and because he is super eccentric, uh, he can only go to the bathroom in his personal quarters on their ship. He refuses to shit in the woods. He refused to shit anywhere else. So he has to get back to their ship to shit. And they have to get him back there because otherwise it won't shit. And he's in a lot of pain because of the food poisoning. Uh, and the chapter ends with, everyone basically making a heroic sacrifice kind of to fight these like wild animals uh, and get him there. And eventually he's dropped off by Bara uh, and who like is left slumped over as if he has just, you know, been through a war afterwards, even though he didn't seem to actually be doing anything. Uh, And Geralt comes back out of the ship afterwards and there's a big two-page spread of him smiling while saying, I took a dump. And the rest of them are smiling happily for him. This is a very strange series, Chris. It, it, it is. It really, like, so the first chapter, there really wasn't that, like, so the past two chapters have been, like, set up something as a gag. And then try to have a really earnest moment with it by the end of it. That's still kind of winks at the fact that this is a joke i mean you can't take a look at a guy walking and saying i just took a dump without being like a little chuckle to it no matter if it's drawn with like the care and elegance that i honestly i don't know if i've ever seen before in another series like just like so much care it would be as though the chapter like 
we never learned has a love profession in it. And I don't know if it's drawn with as much elegance as fucking <laughs> I just took a dump. So it it's strange. Like, I can't tell if this is the tone of the series always or what it, it's a, it's it's weird and odd. That's the best I could really say. Okay, so according to the chat, 500 uh, atomic astronomical units is basically like is what it says. So I'm going to be 500 miles. I'm going to be 500 astronomical units. So there you go. It was a proclaimer's reference. Hmm. Were we that lazy that when it came time to name astronomical units, we were just like, oh, let's call that. (laughs) We didn't give it an actual name name. So. This was weird. Is very weird. Uh, so it's been three chapters with this series, Chris. Yes. Are we going to keep reading it? My heart says no. Then we're not going to read it. All right. That's it. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> You didn't think I was gonna waste it on that. I thought we might. <laughs> nah, Nick, you savor it. You hold it in there. You, I'm waiting for. You fun. hold it in Nick. like the dump that Gerald needed to. to... <laughs> Nick, right there, that's Sonic the Hedgehog post refixing his fucking uh, visuals. I'm waiting for we get some fucking human teeth monster of a Sonic the Hedgehog, and I'm gonna be like, no, we're reading this. <laughs> It's fucking garbage. <laughs> All right. Oh, by the way, a, gar- a gravity voice didn't exist at the start of the year earlier. Who would have thought? Yeah. Mission, you as a Kura family. Uh, chapter mission 18, rather. Reception. Tayo wakes up. Mutsumi's in a wedding dress. Turns out they're having a proper actual wedding reception today, and Tayo didn't know about it. They've, of course, been married for the entirety of the series, but they didn't ever actually have a ceremony, uh, which they have a bunch of people from the criminal underworld uh, as a part of. So uh, it's explained to Tayo pretty quickly uh, as this old man presents him with a bouquet of flowers that a knife nearly comes out of and stabs him in the eye. And uh, essentially, he's told... A reception is a place for celebrating, but also to judge if one is worthy of being celebrated. So you're going to be tested to see if you're worthy of being the new leader. And Kyoichiro tells him all of this in a very ominous voice while he's wearing a wacky fish costume. Yep. As you do. Uh, so Kyoichiro immediately is like, I'm, you know, I'm going to protect Musumi at this reception, but you're the target. So good luck with everything. And a bunch of you know people start approaching him with guns and stuff. And then all of a sudden, there's a video. I and- was going to say, until this point, I was about ready to be like, I'm done reading the series. I think it's every fucking chapter is just, here's a normal situation. But it turns out a bunch of people are going to try to kill Tayo during it. How can he survive? I was like, if they do the same fucking premise for the 19th fucking time in this goddamn series existence. Only 18 chapters, but they found a way. A video pops up uh, on a screen, and it's the uh, Yuzukura family's mother, uh, Mutsumi and Kyoichiro and everyone else's mother. And she says, Kyoichiro, enough of that. And everyone's shocked by this. Uh, and it turns out it's a, it's a tape from the past, uh, from when all of them were, were kids. 
uh, you know, little baby Mutsumi is there and Kirito is holding her and stuff. And uh, so Mama Yozakura says, you know, this is a letter for Mutsumi's wedding reception. Knowing you, I'm sure you'll be up to something. So I'm scolding you in advance. <laughs> so that's pretty nice. Uh, we, you know, we see, you know, that how they've been kind of you know, fighting and stuff like that. There are little tidbits here. They're like, oh, this character has barely changed at all. This character has changed a lot. That kind of thing. Um, and uh, Futaba says that, yeah, yeah, I'm putting this up because, you know, mom entrusted this to me. Um, and so the message uh, essentially states that, you know, things are going to get re- way worse for you guys over there uh, than they are here. And if you're not careful, Kyoichiro might even be trying to kill your husband and all this stuff. Uh, Mutsumi is very emotional to get to see her mother delivering this message. Uh, and she says, you know, I thought that I might not have to- much time left to actually tell you this when you're older because, you know, your father died recently. Um, and so I'm sorry to bring you into this messed up family, but I was happy to have spent time with all of you. And I hope you have a family of your own that makes you think that, too. That's my wish for you. So and then she delivers a message to Tayo saying, thank you for being with Musumi. It's going to be really difficult accepting your fate, but I hope that you'll take good care of her. And he holds her hand and he says, I will. So oh, it's nice. Uh, afterwards, Musumi gets up on stage and uh, speaks to a microphone saying that uh, as the new head of the Yosuke family, she's going to maintain the best. She's going to try to maintain the, the spy family that uh, her mother had left behind, and she looks forward to working with everyone. And she says, I'd like to you all to please see us often in our new chapter of life under a thunderous hail of bullets, which, of course, I was like, oh, so no, they aren't throwing rice. They're going to be trying to kill them. And they and so he's kind of got to lead her through this while holding her hand. And interestingly enough, there's some narration at the end of the chapter as you know he's fighting his way through all these assassins and stuff, saying, it's been a while since I first came to this house. I've realized that there's so much I still don't know. This is a new start for Mutsumi and me and the Yozakura family. This almost seems like the chapter that it's like, okay, if the chap- if the series ends suddenly, we'll end on this. This is a nice note to end on. It's like, hey, and they had many more vi- adventures and stuff like that. Because it's not the final chapter, it almost kind of makes me think like you've been saying for a while that, yeah, we're going to do some different stuff now. We got so, we got to fight bad guys or something like monsters. I don't know. We're going to have a plot. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be interested to see if it goes does turn out that way. It was an it was a, it was an all right chapter and there were some nice moments in it. But I, I, I will say I will fully admit that when. Kyoichiro was tying up Tayo like this is a test to see if you're worthy. It's like, come on, man, you've done this so many times in the past five chapters. I came so close, just like closing my phone out of anger and just walking away for a little bit. I was just like, I can't do another one of these fucking chapters. And so, I'm much, I'm, I'm much higher on the series than you are. And even I was just like, oh, come on, oh thank God, something different happened. <laughs> yeah, I almost kind of enjoy that the series was like. Uh, no, stop that. We've done this too much. Enough of that. You're very predictable and annoying. May a big brother character stop this. Um, so I, I, I enjoy that entire little thing of the mom showing up and I, I do actually enjoy the framing of the way. And it, it, I don't know why, like, I know it always exists, but I always forget they're actually legitimately married yeah. in that. So it's kind of nice seeing like parts of that where you're like, oh, okay. And it was also nice seeing the baby bucket guy. Now. He's a baby with a bucket in his head in one panel. 
And uh, I'm gonna be fucking infuriated if we finish this goddamn series and we never get a goddamn you don't now get chapter. A chapter about him. <laughs> <laughs> no, Where is this? I don't know. If this was supposed to be the last chapter, why hasn't he had a chapter focused on him yet? <laughs> the only way it could have been better is if in the flashback, like video two, you saw he had like alien, like six arms or something like that, like an alien. <laughs> Just like, why didn't we get to this guy? <laughs> like, man, we didn't have time. Are you sure that that's from the same? <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe it's a different buckethead. Buckethead. There was no Yuzakura family at the start of the year either. No, but because or, there wasn't, because there or wasn't. no samurai. Anyway, because, sorry, because of that, because we don't have a spot for it. No. But I want to ask Nick. Food Wars came and went, and within this year, can you remember where Food Wars was at the start of 2019? Was it during the test with the? old man as the judge the guy who uh uh soma gave the meal and was like you know i hope this you know makes you want to actually live as opposed to just wait for death you expected a lot more to have happened in this year no we were no. uh quite a, we were a little end. bit beyond that we were it was the fight where soma basically beats the nazi chainsaw girl Okay, so it's, like it's it's that's it's not little, actually much further beyond that. Then it's, it's not like crazy further. Like the 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 trials were basically ended, and we had started the actual like final round of the blue, or whatever. But essentially, the entire final round of the blue was what the last year of the manga was. I think that when we, I think I might have made a comment at the start of the year when that was happening, where I was like, I'm not going to remember this at all. So. Yeah, it's fair. <laughs> She's so unnoteworthy. No, it was. And like I was reading it again. I was like, man, this is still lame and disappointing. I forgot there was like they made like kind of this weird joke that like, I don't know. It's just it's it's stupid. It was really bad. I, I forgot that they had the Nazi chainsaw girl until I saw her again. And I was like, all right. Sarge, I think, was her name. Yeah. Samurai 8, Chapter 32, Time Limit. Oh, hey. Yeah, so Kotsuka, you should definitely kill your friends. And I definitely believe you'll follow through with this. And I definitely stand to gain a lot from giving you the chance to do this. Oh, no. You instead decided to cut free your friend Ryu. But wait a twist. Ryu uh, takes the sword from Sanda and looks like he's going to kill him with it. And everyone's like, oh, my God, Ryu, don't. Um... Well, it's because so, it's because Ryu frees himself. Oh, he does. Yeah, Ryu had loaded gears inside of his body, so they kind of. Oh, the blades come out. Yeah, I would barely even. I barely even paid attention. Okay. No, no, so, it's fine, Nick. It's perfectly understandable. It's just a chapter where they tried to build up the drama that uh, Sanda will kill Ryu, and then Ryu frees himself. So I guess we're supposed to believe that Ryu was good. They go through like three shifting loyalties in the span of a chapter. And you're like, yes, yes, this, this is good storytelling. This, this is what I came here for. So Sanda flashes back to when they were all on Dharma's ship and Ryu was so immediately willing to attack him based over a context misunderstanding. Uh, and so now Sanda's like, oh, so you, yeah, I'm a partner, huh? And, Ryu says, Kotsuka, you actually are a bad guy. But then Sanda looks up and Ryu is winking. And so they, Sanda gets up and they both charge towards Benkei instead with their swords. And they, ah, and they manage to slash some tentacles or something off. 
And oh, it's a, a flashback again to when Sanda was talking to Ryu and explained that the meaning of winking was it means our little plan is a secret partner. It's like, okay, this isn't as good as the conversation they had in the last chapter. Like, I get what you were going for, and I'm glad that you decided to make their trust the point of why they're able to attack Benkei, but this could have been done way better. Uh, and Benkei's like, Kosuka, you rat! And Sanda's like, I'm Sanda! And and Ryu's like, that's right, and Sanda is a good guy. And all of a sudden, all of the restraints come loose because Benkei was hurt a bit, I guess. And so they're like, pull out Yoshitsune's key from the device! And then there's a, a voiceover that says, time remaining until Angular Warhead launch, 20 seconds. And the le- rest of the chapter is actually pretty cool because it's a really fast sequence of stuff that's going towards the time uh, the time limit. So everything's happening at once. Everyone's trying to get past Benkei uh, or attack Benkei so that they can get to the key. Uh, and he, he manages to snare Ryu and Sanda. He manages to cut apart the samurai <laughs> it's cool except for the one part where four dudes jump in unison they get cut down in one swipe it's just like I, I thought it was supposed to be ben k's a fucking joke and you guys are actual like trained samurai like i don't understand why you would all fall into the exact same like delta formation jump now <laughs> like, oh. get in a perfect arc <laughs> everyone make sure you're in perfect swing distance <laughs> Yay! Perfect. <laughs> uh, Hachimaru jumps in. An's prayer allows him to cut through Benkei's blade and deliver a huge blow to his weird mass. Uh, but as he tries, as uh, this frees Ryu, and he tries to get uh, further, but he is stopped by something hitting him. I don't know. Uh, Hachimar tries to get through, but he's stuck in between the multiple halves of the form that he cut through. But, ah, finally, um, in the link up between, um, send the silent and some guy, uh, <laughs> he does a rocket punch and sends it through the opening and his hand is going right for the key. And it managed to grab the hand right as we've reached the time countdown of two. And that's where the chapter ends. So send the silence saves the day, Nick. He's so smart and such our, a good planner. Our hero. <laughs> like I said, I actually do like the second half of the chapter where everyone's rushing in and, and we get, you know, it feels like there's all this tension building up as the timer's going down and people are being stopped one by one, but it's gradually getting a little bit closer. Uh, the whole misdirection thing with Ryu and, uh, and uh, Sanda was not very well done, though. And again, there's too many characters that have left no goddamn impression uh, that are involved in this sequence. Imagine if, like, instead of being four nameless guys, it were just one person that you had come to know and they were trying to leap past and suddenly they got cut in half. How much more effective that would be. So, yeah, Uh, I I think for me, the part that really kills me is how they execute the, the Sonda, like, teaming up with Ryu thing, because... Like, I get it. But the part that's strange is that Sada's is told, like, hey, kill Ryu. And he goes up and he, he starts to kind of give his little speech. Or like, I, I, you know, I'm Katsuga. I kill people like you and I get paid. But my, my real name is. And it, it looks like he's trying to swing his sword. 
but you don't really you can't really tell what he's thinking. And then Ryu frees himself, and you're like, okay. And then he has like the thread over there, and then they do their little like you know winking bit. Like I I do kind of enjoy that that callback and payoff, but there's nothing in that moment to say like, oh, does Ryu sense that Sanda doesn't know what to do here? That he doesn't want to kill him, but he doesn't know how to save everybody, or like. At what point did Ryu just always have this ability to kind of break? Like, the parts there kind of don't line up to make a cohesive, like, from here to here. Like, it's just kind of all over the place and doesn't really lend itself well to that big emotional payoff when they're supposed to work together. Like, I'm like, for a moment, I had to say, I was like, was he going to just kind of kill him because he didn't know what else to do? Or did he always, like, if the wink had happened here when Ryu was stuck... And yeah. Sanda didn't know. Yeah, like if he like, winks at him, if he winks at him after saying something kind of ominous sounding yeah. and that, that communicates what they have to do. And then Sanda cuts him free and they go after Benkei or something. Or even if he's just like, I think I may have to kill you. He's like, you do what you need to wink or something like that, where I'm like, OK, now this whole exchange makes a lot more sense. But because the wink happens later, it's just sort of odd. Yeah. It's almost as if you can't really buy necessarily that Sanda was making the choice to actually break away from Ben. Yeah, that's that's, I think, where the big problem there is. Mm. All right, Nick, let's talk about We Never Learn. And we'll have a little bit Uh, more. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Zip Man. I forgot the thing even exists. Go ahead. (laughs) I didn't even read it. (laughs) They beat the cutie person. And I will say. There's a lot of stuff that's being alluded to in this chapter, but neither Kagami or Koshiro know exactly what the hell's going on. Um, there's a moment where, uh, like, uh, Kagami says to the guy who was inside the cutie suit that, you know, you didn't act the way that cutie would. You know, uh, you, uh, you, you know, all your poses and stuff like that were on point and everything. But no matter the reason, cutie would never attack anyone who is not her enemy. If you do that, that makes you dark cutie, right? So don't let all your effort go to waste. Rewatch all of cutie again. <laughs> Basically telling him, you know, you know, meditate on this by being a massive nerd and, <laughs> and think about what you've done. Um, and then they rush off with the broken cutie suit in tow. And Kagami's like, hey, Koshiro, did you know that guy? And Koshiro's like, no, I just played along so that they wouldn't figure out our identity. So like, great. So you don't know any more about what's going on. Because there's all this stuff about mind transfers and true forms and everyone fulfilling their greed and stuff. And it's like, what does any of this mean? We'll find out later allusions to a few later reveals basically that's it um but they have learned at least that the consciousness transfer thing the soul transfer technology means that it's possible to actually get uh koshiro back into his human form uh although he does say later wait a minute oh wait we we incinerate your body and he's like no no that was a dummy my real body's in with all my caretakers and stuff great uh Koshiro then says that they should stop calling themselves Jackman and call themselves something else. Uh, so he proposes Flyman, which I'm like, what? You mean like a, a zipper fly? It's funny to me 
because it's just like that Simpsons episode where it's like the B sharps come back. So everybody's like, they're doing like all things, B shark singing on the rooftop. And it's just the guy who's like, hello, human fly here. As he's climbing up a building with suction cups. It's like, oh, come on, guys. It's been all night dying in my underwear. Kagami actually proves this fly, man. My mistake. So Kershaw's like, can't you think of something better than that? Uh, but Kagami's like, okay, conceptual, like two people as one. Hmm. And how about Zip Man? And so we get the point here that the zipper thing is not just literally a zipper or a suit that is, you know, wrapped around you that way. It is, you know, a zipper is two lines that are bound together on t- by stacking them on top of each other, like the two brothers in the one suit. So that's pretty cool. Uh, and then after they've decided on that, they go to do more preparation and try to figure out more stuff. And try to figure out who this enemy organization is. And we cut to a mysterious evil organization that is in a bathhouse. Okay. And there is an Optimus looking guy and a Godzilla looking guy and a giant fucking baby. Uh, And then there's a character who has like a sword and a flaming crown thing and says that uh, the the key is China and that she'll be a perfect addition to my party. I'll enlist her to help defeat that traitor Jackman. The plan is to get close to her as a human so I can make her talk. I'll use the transformation spell and infiltrate. It was all right. It was all right. But it's really weird to have all this stuff where like nobody knows what the hell's going on. Because I kind of want answers. So, anyway, Chris, now what have we? Talk. What have we? Ne- what have we never learned? We never learned, Nick. Question one forty one: Some smile and some sob at a pizza bet, and dot dot dot. Uh, we actually have a lot to talk about. Not just there's this, a but lot. Uh, the, <laughs> also, the meta world of we never learned as well has a lot to talk about. So, uh, it starts. The results are out. We start with the Sumi. It's her at the giant board scene as she passed her her medical uh, university exam. And we see her there with all of the people from uh, her maid cafe. And it looks like her mom. I don't think her dad's there. So I assume he's at the clinic. No, it doesn't look like he is. Uh, I will say that like every single time you get the results in this chapter, there's a moment where it it looks like the character briefly might have failed. uh, And then it turns out they passed. Yeah, so. so we see Asumi fall to her knees. And everyone's like, oh, and then she says, thank goodness I made it. I made it. And she starts crying. And all of the people start lifting into the air and saying, you did it. Hooray. Way to go. We cut over to Ruka and there they see they got the letter in and she's uh, it's her dancing. How can this be? I don't want you to go overseas because you passed. Like, it's all like the set off payoff sort of thing. Uh, we see like text messages between the girls. We see that the other two are basically going to get their results at the same time. Uh, is also there and he makes a deal with them. He's like, all right, you guys are too nervous. How about this? We're going to count to three and we're going to look at the same time. Okay. One, two, three. And then we cut over to Kirisu's office and they all came in and they all look like particularly Ogata looks really downtrodden. And they're like, oh my God, what are you saying? And immediately Kirisu's like, it's okay. Like, don't take it too hard. It's not the end of the world. You know, no matter what path you choose for the future, the effort you've invested will serve you well. And she's like, no, no, it's not that it was just really disappointing because they're about to do their one two three thing and ogata just opens her eyes and second year shows i was like we both made it 
on the same campus together. With my friend. My best friend. <laughs> and then we could stay in our rooms together and maybe make out. Second <laughs> Joe, like one of these days, just like stares out of the out of the picture, just like, and Chris won't get his pizza. <laughs> oh, no. Um. So this is the only way I'll ever get people to leave me alone about this pizza bed. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Seki Joe uh, accidentally told them. So Ogato's really angry, but yeah, they all passed, all three of them. And Kirisu goes up and she hugs them. She says, "You're all very amazing. I'm so proud of all of you." And, you know, I'm so sorry. I was hard on you the whole time. I want you to know I love you. So they all she's actually, cry. She's actually crying while she's telling them this. Yeah. Yeah. So they have a very emotional moment. And, uh, you know, th- there's like a narration. Sensei gave us glimpses of that part of her every now and then when she got drunk. But in the end, that's how she really is. She really is a very nice person deep down. She really does love her students as we, you know, learned in that whole arc about her. Yeah. So, so uh, Uega is walking all back home, I presume. Uh, and he passes by Ruka, and she's like, "Oh wow, you know that's what a story." I'm so happy that you know Ogata and Firmino passed, you know. And Ogata okay, like, "Yep, just thinking about it makes me tear up again." She's like, "You know, I'm really happy for you too, and all of us." She's like, "Yep." And now that we're finally done cramming all the time, we're free. Oh, by the way, one more thing, Yuki, I love you. <laughs> and she's like, "And all this time, I promised you, I promised myself, I'd tell you when your exams were over. So I love you. I'm crazy about you." And that's where our chapter ends. This was quite a shock to suddenly get this moment. It's it's a shock in the sense that she's so fucking confident about it, which has yeah. not generally been Aruka's thing. Now, she did mention for a while that her, her big hang up with telling Uega, she didn't want to add stress or she confusion didn't. to him during this like very stressful studying time. So it's it's it makes sense that she's like, exams are done. You got your answer. I love you. And she wants to get out there now. The thing that's very notable, so the We Never Learn anime has just ended. It ended early, and it did an anime-only ending, because obviously the ending hasn't been made here yet. And I guess if you're still watching anime you don't want it spoiled, uh, skip ahead. I don't know, 20 seconds, whatever. Probably longer, who knows? I don't know. Uh, but in that, they did decide which girl sort of quote-unquote won, and it was Aruka. I have not heard this. Huh. It, was, it was Aruka. This is the first I'm hearing about this. From what I understand, she was also revealed to be the firework girl. So I'm not 100% positive on all the details of that. That's what I kind of gathered from people in the Discord talking about it. Uh, But Ruka won out in the end. So it's interesting that as the manga is coming to an end, she's the one revealing her, her sort of feelings in this big, glamorous way. So who knows? Maybe we're getting a sneak peek or... I don't know. I do not know, especially because I was going to say until you said that. It's, uh, oh, sorry, it's it's heavily implied she's the fireworks girl. Okay, but that I was going to say until you said that that the fact that Aruka is the first of the girls to actually confess to Yuiga makes me think she's not going to be the girl he winds up with if we follow like Nisekoi rules, mm-hmm. which of course uh, uh, Susui Sensei was uh, uh, an assistant on that series. Um, and it just kind of seems to generally be the sort of way that b- romantic comedy harem series tend to go in terms of like, well, we're going, to, we're winding down now. We've got to start eliminating possible love interests until we're down to like the last two. Uh, that this that that would seem to be it, but um, 
that doesn't necessarily need to happen. I, you could always have it be that, you know, this is taking us into the final actual uh, step of the series of you realizing that he could possibly have feelings for any of the girls surrounding him and trying to actually have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how long this is going to last. I would bet that it's the series is probably going to wrap up this year because the point of the series has been about them trying to follow their goals, get into these universities. And that has happened. That is, there is this chapter. This, this is, this is it. They all succeeded. Yeah, they, they did it. They, they, they crossed the finish line. Yes. There are other things that can be wrapped up and there are individual character things that can still happen in terms of, uh, bringing final resolution to them and bringing final resolution to character relationships. But the main conflict has been resolved successfully. You know, we won, you know, it's, but now the seven deadly sins has proven that that doesn't mean (laughs) shit, but, (laughs) um, I would guess that this, that the probably around halfway through this year, the series is going to be done. Yeah. I would not be surprised if within a handful of months we start hearing word that it's winding down officially. It may even go quicker than that. I mean, Mm -hmm. depending on how this chapter goes you could very easily be like all right let's start wrapping things up or done by the end of the month or something (laughs) yeah i mean who knows uh but this this is a super good chapter it's nice seeing the emotional like weight Mm -hmm. i think the assuming one probably hit me the most because she doesn't have like the rest of the characters around her it's just all those like people within her personal circle and her being so ecstatic that she passed and her whole like friend circle and her co-workers like throwing her up into the air congratulating her it's a very sweet moment especially knowing she's failed once before and it, you know how much that's weighed on her but all the girls and characters yeah. got their moments and it's really nice i was really happy to see the kirisu thing i i was glad to, that everything was kind of finally wrapped up with this you know original four uh that were involved with each other in terms of, you know, Kirisu was the tutor for these girls and she's finally able to kind of let the walls down, drop the ice queen act and just be happy for her students that we know that she's cared about. But now she's able to actually express that to them. Um, and yeah, you know, seeing uh, Asumi, who had failed once before, managed to succeed this time. And she's so relieved. Uh, and then Haruka's confession, which I w- which was the most surprising part of this chapter that she just suddenly does it. And, uh, well, how is this going to t- turn out? So this was probably my favorite chapter that we got this week. Just a lot of really good positive feelings, but also a lot of, hey, here's a thing you've kind of been waiting for in about five times in a row, basically. So yes. Now, Nick, this is, without a doubt, the hardest one. Because well, because we never learned this one shot. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know... Where we never learned was at the start of 2019. <sighs> it's, it okay, one, it's okay to it take a, there. It's a, it, it, I will say that is correct. It was a one-off chapter. One off. I'll, I'll give it to you if you can guess which girl it was. Assume me. You cocksucker. You cocksucking fuckhead. You goddamn it. Was it the one that introduced the doctor fish? That was it exactly. Oh, yeah. I'm, now I'm suspicious. Now I'm like, hold on a moment. <laughs> I did not prepare for that. I swear. But I was thinking about it and I was like, 
How many, how many Dr. Fish chapters are there? <laughs> so I'm doing really good. <laughs> I'm just going to start making up answers for the next one. I'll be like, mm, no, sorry. Dr. Stone actually hadn't yet. The uh, Senkut wasn't frozen yet, actually. It's I'm never going to get never going to get like the promised neverland i can tell you that much <laughs> all right chris for the first time in the new decade dr stone it's time to get stone t when t owned boom you put 2020 in there oh wow yep <laughs> z equals 134 commander face off the petra beam has been set off in the middle of the island and Senku is like, all right, I've got to crack through this Petra beam. Ukio shouts out to everyone that he's like, I've got to tell them what I learned. And he says, the device is voice activated. You have to specify its range and number of seconds. And we cut away. We cut away to Mose and to uh, Hyoga. And they have a little bit of a, you know, a post-combat, uh, you know, camaraderie kind of moments. Because Hyoga observes like, well, we're going to get petrified. And uh, both of the, of the factions involved here consider us to be very dangerous. So they probably won't revive us again. And Moses is really upset because this means he won't really get a rematch. But he says, hey, if we ever do break free, those centuries of polishing you mentioned, I like to take a crack at that pipe spear stuff. And Hyoga says, as long as you seek to do it well, the gates of the Owari Kanryu style will always be open to you. Aw. And then they freeze up. We get a, monta- a quick little flash of everyone being frozen and ending with Senku with this kind of grimacing expression on his face with his arm outstretched as his fingers are starting to turn to stone. And I have to wonder, because spoilers for the end of the chapter, Senku is depetrified. I wonder if what he's doing is like he threw up the uh, revival formula into the air or something like that. So it would like land on him. But I don't know if he has that level of accuracy. We'll find out next chapter one way or the other. But. I mean, I presume you could argue that he's such a scientific genius. He could just figure out the trajectory of it if he needed to. But it's it's worth noting we see his left hand, I think, start to stone over. And I don't know if we see that hand at the later part of the chapter. Yeah, we just uh, we just we, see his... we don't really see we don't really see the tips of his fingers, which yeah. is the part that got modified. But yeah, so maybe maybe he still is a little stoned or something like that. Who knows? Uh, he's got a little bit of the uh, the post. Uh... <laughs> I don't know terminology for weed. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> he's got that post stoned fucking... high. I guess. I, don't know. I guess. Yeah, that's the. It's like know, if you don't get hangover from weed. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, the petrification beam takes over the entire island and further out to sea a little bit even, uh, stopping apparently just short of the of, of the Perseus uh, as Ibarra like, you know, throws his arms up into the air triumphantly. He then gets in a little canoe, goes back to the coast and triumphantly steps on someone's back and he's just giggling to himself. And he's like, oh, oh the last one on the island. Uh and he looks at a one woman and is like, oh, she's such a lovely figure, but even all stony makes me feel lonely. But oh, well, the sorcerers possess revival waters. And I know that. So he plans, I guess, on reestablishing, you know, his kingdom essentially afterwards. But on his way to go to the mountain where Orashi is with the petrification device, he sees various members of the, the kingdom of science 
all lined up in a row, all holding their hand up in the air. And he's like, what the hell are they doing? He also happens to see Soyuz and he recognizes him. And we get a flashback of him basically taking over the uh, kingdom, using the device to petrify Soyuz's father and then coming across a baby Soyuz and being like, ah, infant or not, to pass down the hundred tales, generations of masters have taken wise with impressive memories. This child will remember all he sees. So he goes after him, but uh, a woman who looks very similar to Ruri uh, snatches up the baby and rushes off and manages to escape uh, with him in, in her arm. And she also manages to uh, protect herself by wielding a shield. So kind of uh, a, a bit very clearly like some sort of predecessor to or family member of uh, Ruri and Kohaku's because of demonstrating both their abilities. Um, however, we see as, as she sails away that she's got some sort of a blood stain on her torso. So hmm. I'm sure we'll get all of the gaps in that filled in, in terms of exactly how Soyuz came to Ishigami village and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, uh, Ibarra mocks Soyuz, uh, because now he's you know gone uh, he pefts up a big rock and smashes Orochi's body so he can get the petrification device out of his stomach. And then he sees some footprints. So he's like, huh. So, and then he hears a crackling similar to the one com- that would come from the uh, transmission device in the earring. So he follows the sound and he comes across the beast that fled from the boat, the Science Kingdom's little vehicle, looks inside. And he's like, huh, okay, there's no creature in here. It's just more sorcery. And then it turns out from a cell phone inside of the vehicle, a voice comes that says five meters, one second. And it was really cool. That is the coolest fucking moment in this goddamn series so far when he opens that up five meters, one second. Like, holy fuck! Oh, man, if it actually happened. the device away immediately. It doesn't work, though. Um, so Senku suddenly emerges from the underbrush nearby and he's thinking, you know, says a lot to himself. I wonder if Ukir misread the situation. Yeah, it's probably actually that you've got to be up close to the device when you give the command. But that would have been so cool if that had worked. Oh, man, it would have been the perfect fucking like crazy shot there. Yeah. So we get this big two page spread of the two of them staring down each other. Senku looking confident. He's got the cell phone strapped to his back. Ibarra in shock asking, how are you alive? And I guess we'll have to wait to find out exactly how that happens. But really cool chapter. Indeed. Now, Nick, can you guess where Dr. Stone was at the start of 2019? It's going to be difficult because I have a rough idea of events that happened, but... Um, I don't remember because Dr. Stone has an odd pacing to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, relatively quickly. Yeah. I am going to say that it was the bread making chapter with uh, with Francois. No, it was actually uh, I guess at that point it would have been a little bit after that. It was actually okay. in the hot air balloon chapters with Ryusui. Okay. 
I had thought about saying the one where they get the message from the Y man, but I think that that happens after that. Ha- that. that happens so. a good deal. Cause this actually is when they're still searching for oil. I guess that would have been actually the bread making chapters would have been afterwards. Cause first they, they're looking for oil to then get the ships ready to start sailing off and picking the people. And then like, actually a lot of that happened like at the start of that sort of chapter. Like that, that chapter is sort of like a lot of like little small stuff prepared. And then probably about half the year has just been this arc, like this singular, the Medusa on this island arc. Okay. Well, yeah, a lot of, <laughs> it was difficult because they had been on doing this part of it for so long at this point that it's kind of hard to remember back to when it's more the age of expiration stuff, which is a lot more what I think of in terms of what happens in Dr. Stone. Uh, you know, here's the thing we've got to do. So we've got to invent this thing. Uh, and when it does that, it's a lot more difficult to f- figure out exactly when things happen because it, you've got to do the next thing and do the next thing and do the next thing and do the next thing. As opposed to this sequence has been a matter of more kind of cause and effect. Uh, yeah. uh, this caused this to happen and that causes us to have to do this. So it's easier to figure out the flow of things anyway. Uh, but I figured I wasn't going to get Dr. Stone either. So <laughs> chainsaw man. Oh boy. Chapter 52 lost love flower chainsaw. So it's the day after the fight between Reze and everyone else, by the way, still don't know how to say her name. I literally looked it up what the kanji for her name were so that I could figure out how to say it. And then I was like, well, but if it's a, you know, a, an, if it's just a weird thing of like an ang- of an English, how am I supposed to say it? So it was like, whatever. So I, I don't know. We'll find out eventually, I guess. But uh, people are kind of overseeing the damage that has been done, um, the deaths that have occurred and so on and so forth. Uh, someone, I forget this guy's name, but he's saying to Aki that, you know, I've heard that there's this, you know, a fairy tale that Soviet mothers would tell their kids when they scold them that there's this secret room in the army's ammunition storage filled with kids who have no parents. The kids have no freedom and they're treated like objects and their bodies are used in experiments till they die. And as he keeps on telling this story, we see Reze wearing a baseball cap, you know, mingling with crowds and stuff as she makes her way she, through the city. She's doing the uh, MCU disguise approach where you put on a baseball cap and keep your head down and no one will know who you are. Reze is Black Widow, essentially, yeah. in the sense that that was what she did in the second Captain America. And also, this is her backstory. So <laughs> pretty much. And yeah, essentially, Reze was raised to be a weapon. And uh, we see her uh, pick up a flower uh, from from a crowd as she's making her way through uh, town. She gets on board a train bound for uh, Yamagata, uh, then gets off the train, goes through the station. And as she's making her way through, she passes through an alleyway and she starts to seemingly get a little bit emotional as she makes her way through it. And then all of a sudden, a fuck ton of rats show up. And the rats cut cut her off as she starts getting ready to pull the pin on her choker to transform into the bomb devil. All of a sudden, the rats form into a sort of creature that goes me too. And then Mikimo's there. Or Makima, sorry. 
is there. And she says, I like the country mouse too. And Reza still has got her finger on the pin as Makima starts talking and says, you know, my friend has this farm out in the country and I'll go visit him out there to help with their work a little bit. Rats hide in the soil. They damage the crops. So before the ground can be covered by snow, you have to exterminate them. You do it by digging into the soil and having dogs catch and kill them. And I couldn't tell you why, but I find watching that to be very calming. And Reze makes to pull the pin out of her choker. And suddenly it is cut into pieces and she can't pull her her pin. So she pulls a knife from her back pocket and Makima just says, that's why I like the country mouse as Reze starts trying to dart behind her and attack her and a fucking javelin comes from above and pierces her through the, basically the heart as the angel devil is backing Makima up. She tries to pull her pin with her remaining hand, but Makima stops her as she slumps to the ground and Reze thinks to herself as she realizes she's going to die. Why didn't I kill you the first time we met? Denji, the truth is, I've never gone to school either. And she falls to the ground dead. And Makima looks up at the angel devil and says, you know, I told you to come with Aki. You didn't want to, to make him kill a girl. You're kind, aren't you? And the angel devil says, well, I am an angel after all. And uh, we cut over to Denji. He's got a bouquet of flowers with him to give to Reze, who he asked to meet with him there. The shop owner is like, I need to close up now. You're a loser, dude. She was never going to come. <laughs> I like the that. The dude's just like, yeah, I mean, come on, dude. You had to realize this wasn't going to happen, right? You're a schlub. The door opens up and Denji reacts to it, but it's power. I fucking, it's not even power. It's power marching like hand on her hip. Fucking like the like she's in a marching band. She's like, puh, 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 power. She has like a fucking entrance theme or something. And she's like, I tried to hear by your smell. This place sucks. Who? Look at these flowers. These would suit me perfectly. Gimme. And she looks at Denji and he looks at her and he starts eating the flowers. <laughs> so he doesn't give them to her. And then flowers like, don't eat them. They're mine. You thief. <laughs> It's one of the best things. It's crazy that this chapter could be so heartbreaking and then just end on this hilarious joke where he's like, I don't want to give these flowers to you. I'll just eat them instead. And flowers acting like they're already hers. <laughs> like, no, give me my flowers. This was quite the chapter. Um, it, it was shocking. It was sad. And at the end, it was funny to because Chainsaw Man's like, OK, we got to kind of pull you out of that now. Um, but uh, it is, you know, something that's like, wow, this world really kind of sucks. It, so it is. And I also kind of enjoy that this is a chapter where we see just how ruthless Makima is. Like we, we've kind of known that she's been willing to go that way, but it's always been about characters you don't really care about uh seeing that this is something like just so ruthlessly brings down reze as she was just outside the fucking cafe to she go see gonna denji. go see denji she yeah. accepted his invitation like you're just like oh fucking of course it's like this oh it's brutal um, well because of course you regardless of how what reze was going to do whether she was going to attack Denji, which Makima may very well suspect that she was yeah. going to try and do that. She was carrying a knife with her for one thing. Uh, 
or if she was going to try and run off with him the way that Denji wanted to, Makima can't let either of those things happen because Denji is a valuable tool to her. So, of course, she's going to do this. And there's something very effective about not having the final thing uh, that she does be that she cuts her head off or something like that. Just the fact that she very gently grabs her hand so that she can't pull her pin in order to regenerate. And so she just beats out. And at the same time, she is giving this whole speech about country mice and how they you're going sh- to spoil my rat, my, my crops. Yeah, yeah. Like how I find the murder of them to be this calming thing. It's 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 brutal. Uh, you also have to enjoy that the angel demon plays a part in this, too, where the angel demon's like, oh, I was going to show up. I don't I didn't want to make Aki have to do this. So, mm-hmm. I, you know. But yeah, it's just really fucking a, a super strong chapter, emotionally hitting. Um, and then just a great, like, actual hilarious ending, which is very strange. But I don't think there's another way to really describe Chainsaw Man, but this weird blend between the two. Mm-hmm. With that said, Nick, where do you think Chainsaw Man was at the start of 2019? Uh, it was somewhere in the power introduction arc because that would have been in the first several chapters. So (laughs) can you get more specific than that? Was it the first chapter she showed up in? No, it was the chapter after that. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) The first chapter they worked together. It's the chapter where she squishes that sea cucumber demon with that giant hammer. It's great. What a great year for fucking chainsaw man. (laughs) Well, of course it was a great year for Chainsaw Man. It was the <laughs> <I love> majority <laughs> of his existence. Ninja, it, Ninja marked you wrong. Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> All right. The Promise Neverland, Chapter 162. Musical Chair. Oh, that's Seven Deadly Sins. Fuck you. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. That is the next one. My bad. All right. Uh, so... Seven Deadly Sins, Chapter 337, Merlin. For- Jesus Christ, this is an exposition dump chapter. <laughs> for, uh, look, I don't, I'm not here to complain too much. But I want to, if someone from Crunchyroll is listening, for the love of God, I, I, I need to, to talk to whoever does, I guess, the typesetting. Please, for the love of God, never pick a font like this for the exposition. Because this was a hellscape to read. <laughs> it was so hard. I have to, So I'm reading it here. I'm wearing my glasses at the time, too. I'm trying to read this chapter before the start of the episode. And I swear to God, I have to move to about here, like an inch away from my screen, to read 90% of the dialogue in this chapter. Because it's so much of it. And it's all in this fucking fancy cursive font. and. Jesus, there's just a fuck, metric fuck ton of it. So I'm going to read two back-to-back panels here really quick. Uh, one is spoken by Meliodas which, and Bond, which means that they have regular font. And one is spoken by Chaos or whatever. Yeah. So Meliodas says, just who are you? Show yourself. Bond says, this smells fishy. The demon Chaos thing says, pardon me this one thing for I cannot part from this lake. So that's the difference to give you an idea of how difficult it is to read this script. Yeah. When the text is the same size all the way through. It is very difficult. And we start getting panels where like the panel is still like a regular, like uh, maybe a third of the, 
the page and the text box covers that and has to get like a paragraph in. It's it very difficult. Uh, anyway, it's revealed that sort of the the being that exists in this lake goes by the Lady of the Lake or the Saint of Chaos. So we, we finally get our Lady of the Lake uh, mm-hmm. uh, one for one here. And uh, they talk about like, yeah, you know what? Melodious like, yeah, it's cool, but I haven't heard anything about some chaos being for for 3,000 years. So I don't think I've I don't think this thing even exists. I haven't even heard about it from Merlin. And the beans like, of course you have it because Merlin's been hiding it from you for 3,000 years. Turns out Merlin's got a lot of secrets. It is. And maybe it's just because I don't follow the lore of Seven of these super tightly, but this felt like a slight retcon too. Because I thought the explanation was that Merlin was specifically the son or the daughter of the demon lord. I don't know. And the supreme, like she had both in her, was sort of like the the thing they kind of hinted at. Whereas here they express that she's specifically she's a human. Um, I might just be misremembering it, so who knows? But anyway, she's a human. She was born to like this this group of wise men. She was extremely talented. So all anybody ever really wanted her to do was work, but they treated her like shit. I don't know. They give like this all happens in the span of about two pages, and it's really hard to read half the font. And they also don't really have that like there's a cut over where they're like wow you saved merlin wow you had such a terrible past i'm like did she because from these two pages it doesn't sound that bad sounds like she didn't have a parent that loved her which obviously is bad but like it's tough to really tell exactly what happened to her all of that i don't know um melodius eventually saved her and that was like a big thing a demon saved her from being like attacked by these wise men and she saw Melodius and fell in love with him. So, wow. That's Merlin's, new. Yeah, Merlin has feelings for Melodius. That's actually pretty crazy. Uh, but then she she gave herself this, this very attractive physical form that we kind of know her as. And then froze time so that she would always be in that form. And it was all done to win over Melodius. You're like, it's kind of interesting. Kind of weird, but kind of interesting. Uh, and then that's when she saw Melodius hanging out with Elizabeth. And she's like, well, fuck. God damn it. And we don't really get a ton after that. Like, she said, like, she couldn't learn to hate them. But something in her still troubled her. And then one day, a bunch of wise men talked about chaos. And that's kind of what drove her down this path. Um. There's some lore about the world, how when chaos created the world, it created the supreme deity, the demon lord, and then the the whatever, the, the sacred tree, and that they gave birth to angels, demons, and fairies, respectively. And then chaos created the giants, who were just so dumb and angry and violent that they couldn't really contain themselves, so they made humans instead. And that's kind of where we are. And Merlin spent the next 3,000 years. And then they made the Chaos Emeralds. And it is from those emeralds that I draw my power. Exactly. (laughs) So Merlin spent the last 3,000 years structuring her life around the aim of resurrecting Chaos. Believing that if she could revive Chaos and give rise to the virtually limitless unknown, then her starving heart would most certainly be fulfilled. And not only that, 
She did other things, like helping to ensure that the true demon lord would be revived, because that would be the only way to kind of drive Melodius's power all the way it needed to. And she was the one who revived Elizabeth's curse to ensure that we'd kind of continue on to the point where we needed to. And she is the one that directed the giant final attack into the lake so that it would be enough power to then kind of revive, uh, uh, fucking arthur the whole time you're like wow shit all right (laughs) if you say so we're getting a lot all right (laughs) so merlin was pretty much behind everything uh and basically the one takeaway like belodius gets out he's like you tried to kill elizabeth and she's like fair enough yeah i I mean he's he's right that's the one thing you're like what the fuck And she's like, hey, you know, your objective was one thing to break the curse on her. But if you had done that, then you might have abandoned your mission to defeat the demon lord. And I, I couldn't allow that. And like, so you reactivated her curse? She's like, yes, but I'm also the one who saved her. So it wasn't about killing Elizabeth to drive you to that point. But I needed to remind you. I needed a, something that would push you. She's she's all about like the, the ends justify the means if she needs to. But she's not trying to get anybody hurt. She's doing everything she yeah. can to protect them. There's, of course, also a lot of stuff that, you know, the, the Lady of the Lake is saying a lot of this. So there are clearly some details from Merlin's perspective that we aren't getting yet that are probably going to change exactly how we're meant to interpret this uh, eventually. Um, I'm sure that it's going to turn out that Merlin is not quite so nefarious as this chapter is making her out to be. Hmm. But obviously, this is going to change the way that uh, things are going to be for a while. And uh, then it basically ends with like, yeah, it should be no secret, uh, hating someone so much that you uh, you want to kill them, but still being able to love them. It's it's what humans do. And I wonder if Merlin and you being different races, if you'll ever be able to truly understand each other, which is sort of an odd sentiment, because it's never really been much of a point to this moment where you're like, oh, demons have less of an emotional intelligence to them or something like that. Like, I, I've if you told me Melodius was human, I'd be like, yeah, I mean, I don't... Like, if you're trying to say that, they're like, well, demons and angels don't know how to have these complex feelings. It's like, I kind of think that male and <laughs> Melodius have proven that very that's wrong. That's completely recently. false. <laughs> uh, I was like, so I don't think that's the case. So, I mean, who really knows? Uh, this is a chapter with a ton to digest. I'm sure I glossed over some things and maybe explained some things poorly, but there's just so much to this chapter. Uh, It turns out Merlin was actually a Palpatine all along. (laughs) Palpatines and Skywalkers are like meant to fight each other all the time. Their families will never stop feuding in some, some fucking way. Yeah. (laughs) Didn't you, didn't you see the vision where Ray went? (laughs) (laughs) What an awful movie. (laughs) Uh, okay. So, yeah, I, 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 there is a lot to digest and I, I'm kind of there with you in terms of, I am not familiar enough with seven deadly sins lore to appropriately discuss this chapter without seeing where it leads yet. I don't have enough information for me to expound upon and wonder about. Uh, so for right now, I'm just kind of like, okay, what's really going on, Merlin? <laughs> so I'm sure we'll get that eventually. But hey, it does seem as though 
with this chapter, it might be more likely that the series is not as close to the end as we thought, even with the whole demon lore being defeated thing. Maybe there really is a lot more to explore. So who knows? You know, we made I made a joke about it on Twitter the other day, where I was like, we will also be talking about Seven Deadly Sins the next. When I, when I said that, when I said that, yeah, we'd be talking about One Piece for another ten years, yeah. I, but, and I really don't know. I like part of me is like, that's a joke, and I'm like, is it? <laughs> like, surely they won't have enough content for the next decade. But if you told me Seven Deadly Sins didn't end in 2020, I'd be mm-hmm. like, yeah, I guess I can believe that somehow. I mean, we've wrapped things up like three times now, but sure, I guess. I mean, it's definitely possible to have endings and then new beginnings, and it, it seems as though it could be establishing <laughs> that, you know. No, I, no, I'm sorry. Someone in the chat said, would it make more sense if I played Fortnite and saw the promotional Seven Deadly Sins manga? Like, I heard about that. I heard about that, and I was like, what could possibly? <laughs> All right. Now let's go do the promise Neverland. Uh, well, before we do that, Nick, where was Seven Oh, where was Seven Deadly Sins? Mm-hmm. <sighs> when they were in purgatory i don't know no it was actually they were wrapping up the fight with the first demon and all of the the other commandments were flowing into the cocoon thing that all the other ones were at oh, birth, like the fr- first demon lord so okay not actually like there was a, a, a lot to that and then the conclusion to that fight and then essentially just the arc we had been seeing recently where yeah so i i overestimated how much actually happened this year yeah Mm. perhaps it's neverland chapter 162 musical chairs that's how you decide who gets the title opportunity chris (laughs) did they do that once was there a musical chairs eugene was the guest was the gm of of raw one time you know what it makes sense and it, Jericho got a title shot by winning a game of musical chairs. It makes sense in the world of Eugene, which to this day is one of the more confusing characters to ever have to explain. I'm like, I, I don't know if he was supposed to be special needs, but he wrestled. He was, a a very, lot, he was he called wrestled. a. He was referred to as a very special boy. Yeah, so. but he wrestled a lot. And I think he might have been tag team champion with Hulk Hogan once. I don't remember exactly. No. It was uh, Jim Duggan. Jim Duggan. That's it. I was like, I remember. I was like, I know he tag team a lot of legends for a while. Eventually, everyone hated him. <laughs> I had friends at the time who were like, Eugene should be WWE champion. And you're like, please don't let it happen. <laughs> And I, 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 I set up candles in the basement in a pentagon, <laughs> and I prayed Jeez. in them every night. <laughs> it turns out you prayed a little bit too hard. <laughs> <laughs> I prayed for career uh, inverse of success for him, and uh, eventually it just sent him to the Indies, which I feel really bad about, but I did ensure he was never your champion. And I guess I should go down there now to pray for them that this this lashley lana storyline just ends but i don't want to set up all the candles it's a lot of work also it invites a lot of bad spirits into your house (laughs) i've been haunted for the past (laughs) my roof trips blood daily (laughs) every time that it falls on my face i'm like at least eugene was never wwe champion (laughs) and then i cuddle up met i'm like "Mm, he was never champion though (laughs) okay so i'm doing mujica are riding around 
Sanji's got a plan for who to make the new king of demons. Turns out there's like elder priests and stuff. The new through his teacher from when he was a boy. They come across them. They're in suspended animation looking all creepy and kind of like Kyonchis, you know, the, the Asian vampire things. Uh, and so they're not dead because they're in suspended animation. And so he's like, we'll revive them and then make it so that they don't die. And then the, they'll be revived and they'll be that guy's going to be king. Uh, yeah, they're the only ones who can do it. And which was like, all right, then let's hurry. Uh, and because we promised them we wouldn't let anyone die. OK, uh, cut over to uh, Ratri, who's with his armies and they're escorting the kids uh, and, and so on uh, to Grace Field. They get word that Green Lager of Lima has died. And so he's like, well, that's cool. We'll just, you know, capitalize on this opportunity. Tell all the demons that this is going to be a battle of revenge for the queen. And uh, this way, we'll we'll take the throne and the political power. From now on, this world will be mediated on our rule. Look at how big my hand is. <laughs> it's huge. This is how you manipulate puppets, right? But doing this, eh, eh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then he tells them all to tells them to tell the search parties to withdraw, and they're like, "Well, what about the 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 children that that, that caused this and killed the queen and stuff?" He's like, "Don't worry, they already know where we're headed. We just have to wait. They'll come to save their friends. They'll never abandon them. Look." They couldn't possibly abandon. What is your name again? Oh, I don't know your name, but I kill you. Pfft. All right. Wow. They're dead. And it's very sad, I guess. And, and then he says, come, you damn food. The children who never grow up. I won't let you end Neverland. We'll settle this at Gracefield. So even he's like talking about this in really weird poetic terms and stuff. Anyway, they escort all the kids back to Gracefield. Gate opens up and he's like, oh, thank you for welcoming us. It's been a while, Grandma Isabella. And oh, it's Isabella. And she's wearing a black dress and she's smiling sinisterly. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, it's supposed to be a very huge twist. Like, oh, Isabella is not only still alive. But has also been she's the grandma now, so that's that's pretty crazy. And she's over at Gracefield House, like wow. Um, it's kind of sad. It's like saddled with all this fucking ratchery stuff that just means absolutely nothing at the moment. So you're like, what a well-established character I am. (laughs) (laughs) I've been doing stuff in the background. I swear. (laughs) Yeah, you're like, wow, holy shit. All right, so um. I don't know. I was like, maybe if you cut all of the Ratchery stuff and you just had a two-page chapter about how Isabella was still alive, <laughs> this has been really effective. It's just like not even. There's no dialogue. It's you just see like Ratchery like occasionally pointing and stuff. The children looking miserable, and then they show up and Grandma Isabella. It was like, yeah, I'd I'd take that. <laughs> yeah. All right, Nick. Here's, I guess, maybe one of the big ones for you. Can you remember where the Promised Neverland was at the start of twenty? 20- 19. Uh, <laughs> have they gotten back to the bunker yet? From 
I think it was pre-time skip. I want to say it was pre-time skip. Were they just getting back to the bunker after the whole thing with Luvis and the fucking the phone call? And it's actually after that. This was the start of the very important mission to get the medicine for Chris. I completely forgot that happened because <laughs> I started reading the chapter and I was like. They have to break into a farm? Well, I don't remember this. And then I saw, like, Chris was like, eh, eh. And it's like, oh, right. That's why I don't remember this, because this was fucking worthless. So that would have been after... Uh, this was, the, I believe, because they meet Hayate uh, and whatever during this mission. So this right. is... So, they had, so they, that was after they had had to abandon the bunker after they got compromised and everything. Okay. God, that was the that was the whole thing. We're like, hey, Anna's an important character. Look, <laughs> she didn't do anything else. What? Promise Neverland doesn't prioritize character writing? <laughs> the hell smart. you say? <laughs> oh, fuck. I'm... yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's talk then about Black Clover. Uh, page 234, The Messenger from the Spade Kingdom. And I'm flipping through this real quick because I don't, I know I read this chapter, but I remember nothing from it. Yeah. And okay, I vaguely recall what happened during this. That's right. Never mind. Okay. No, this makes total sense. So we found out, you know, as a member of the Spade Kingdom royal family, it was this very important thing. Um, we cut over to the Golden Dawn headquarters where a bunch of people were talking about how the fact, like, yeah, he was called out to his hometown, so he went over there at super speed. Oh, wow, you know, where was it? Like, oh, it was over there. Oh, no matter where he was born, does it change the fact he's a brilliant magic knight? And uh, they talk about, like, oh, are you part of his, his, like, fan club? Like, no, I just think he's really incredible, and vice captain, after just this small amount of time, he could actually become wizard king. And... Then we cut back over, and I don't even know who the other... I guess that's the the priest, who's such a fucking non-character. The, guy, that, the guy with the mustache is going, yeah. yeah, I'm shocked they yeah, that's, included that's, him in the that's the priest. Panel. That's the priest who uh, raised um, Aston, you know. Yes. So he's like, you know, it's a spade prince king, uh, or spade kingdom prince. Wow, I didn't... I knew he was special, but wow, he's a royal, royal, royal that... And everyone kind of acts the same way in Black Clover. Well, um, well, he's freaking out over that. And then Sylph is also shouting because she's like, I totally thought that might be it. Yeah. Well, they're both screaming while they do it. So their text boxes are identical. Just yes. one is screaming out of shock and the other one's excited. Uh, basically, the the I forget it, what he is. Is he a messenger from the Spade Kingdom or one of the knights from it? The Spade Kingdom did who revealed everything. The guy who has to see you know. Yeah. <laughs> They got that guy's like, hey, what's that? Do you have one of the four spirits serving you? Wow, you 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 really are special. What's He's his like, name, hey, Chris, I don't know. <laughs> he says it on the next page. Uh, oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> I am Yudo, currently of the Clover Kingdom, who you claim to be a prince. And who are you? I'm Ralph. <laughs> I'm, I'm Ralph, the message guy. <laughs> So she's like, hey, you know what? Why was a spade prince abandoned in the Clover Kingdom? What's your purpose for coming here? He's like, well, my name's Ralph. 
and the rest sent their thoughts and their magic with me so that I could tell you the thing, the whole thing. Now, remember, I want to specify, it was established a couple chapters ago that the Clover Kingdom is a very unique place where very crazy kinds of magic spontaneously are kind of created. And I'll use my fire magic to summon <laughs> memories. It's, and then this guy opens his book and he's like, flashback fire magic. <laughs> like, All right, whatever. <laughs> and we get a full page, two page spread of all these fucking memories of people. I don't know. Like, does he have like a camera book or something like that where he like snaps his own face? Like, there's a shot. There's a shot of from. There's a shot of Yuno's mom saying, "Thank you for being born, my darling." So I was like, "Was he so there to see it?" <laughs> I was like, "Was he there to see so it?" So he used his fire magic to call forth. Yuno's own memories, but also there are shots of Yuno as a baby. Mm -hmm. So he says that he used, he says the rest sent their thoughts and their magic with me, including you as a baby, I guess. <laughs> and as the entire time this happens, is Yuno's head just like on fire or something? <laughs> like, it's just like, that's how it, it manifests in fires around your wait, head. Wait, wait, wait. Hold, hold on. She says, my darling. So I guess that's her husband that's saying that she's saying that to. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, th I think that's her saying it to, you know, like, thank you for being born, my darling. But again, as you said, it's from, you know's perspective. So, I mean, who really because it's, it's perspective from all over places, basically. There's a there's a there's a, a thought that maybe, you know, just high from the smoke. <laughs> <laughs> And they specifically just like, hey, here's a magic stone I got a long time ago, and I returned from the strong magic region. Uh, give it to you, you know, as an amulet. I'm like, I'm glad we got the rich fucking lore for a special amulet. Just imagine, you know, as a baby getting this precious magic amulet, and he'd just be like, <laughs> or it's like, you know, as a baby, does he just stare out into the abyss and like. Something. I'm gonna beat the wizard king. <laughs> he no, well, he didn't have an Asta yet, so he had nothing. Nothing motivated him. They were like, "I think something's wrong with our child. He doesn't do anything." I'm sure he'll grow a personality eventually. <laughs> like he's just a late bloomer. Personalities sometimes take <laughs> ten years to develop in children, right? Sometimes they're very, very one-sided. <laughs> you just hear like someone on the TV go like. I'm be the wizard ring, and he's like, "Did someone see the wizard king?" And he like pops up. Amazing! He's never had the he's never had the will to get out of his crib before. <laughs> now he's just sitting in front of the TV, staring at it. <laughs> he's trying to open the door. Um. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's his flashback. Then there's treason. The Zogratis siblings have attacked the royal castle. The king is, no, the royals are falling one after another. Oh, no, they'll kill ass. They'll kill, you know, if they find them. So I'll have to protect master, you know, uh, we'll have to leave. A bunch of uh, mages die protecting, you know, and Ralph as he escapes <laughs> into the woods. And, well, uh, but he says at the end, that last man was my father. So the guy with the beard is not Ralph. It's Ralph's father. Ralph is the clean-shaven man that we see a couple of okay. times who looks like this guy. But so his dad has a beard. That's it. <laughs> so wait, the, the, the shot, 
There's one painting where you see a guy with a beard holding you know. That's Ralph's father. That's that's Ralph's father. Okay. Yeah. So Ralph's uh, that's what I was trying to say. I was like, that's not you know's father. They just said the king was dead, didn't they? So And again, we're definitely seeing this view from Yuno's perspective. Yes. I mean certain some of these shots we're definitely not seeing from Yuno's perspective, like the shot of the person to cloak running into the woods with two guys saying we'll handle this. Like whose perspective would that be, except for I guess the Zogratis siblings or whatever, but I don't know. It's a very odd thing. Uh, he's like, hey, I'll protect you. He goes all the way through the fucking strong magic region on his own, which I said is very difficult. And he's like, ah, there's a church over here. They'll be able to. And he's like, Master Yuno, this is my last spell for you. So please leave. And I guess he, he sends him on like a little like wind platform over to the church. Um, he's like, oh man, thank God I don't have some lame magic like flame memories or something like that, or I'd never be able to do it. As he's fl- flying through the air, he passes over the river where- that Moses is floating down. <laughs> over, overhead, super overhead, Cal L's capsule comes crashing through. The <laughs> They're just all going past each other at the same time. They all high five. There's a shot of all the babies yeah. each high five each other. And then Ray's also there. Baby memories. <laughs> He's like, and I was there too. <laughs> no, you weren't. And everyone clapped. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> so Yuno's like, oh, jeez. He's like, hey, with as much magic you have, I'm sure you already know, but I've just shown you are things that actually happened, that none of it was false. And I'm like, I guess that's just how that magic works. I don't know. False images are way harder to make. <laughs> Not not with flame magic. Flame memory (laughs) magic. And he says, that last man was my father. He had served the house for generations. It is just us. Many citizens are praying for your safety. And he says, even if that's the case, I'm Yuno of the Clover Kingdom. But before we can kind of get more to that, there's an emergency call to to Yuno. And it says, emergency vice captain, the Golden Dawn headquarters is under attack. And uh, we cut over. We just see, like, a text box saying, can we go as berserk as we want, Lord Zenu? And uh, Lord Zenu says, we're here for the arcane stage mages. Everyone else you can kill. Dun, dun, dun. I believe that this is the guy that we saw who mopped the floor with all the uh, Diamond Kingdom mages that uh, Luck and the others were spying on before. Uh, which means that... Uh, Everyone's probably going to be perfectly fine. Yeah. I, He's not going to kill anyone. <laughs> like, <laughs> Black Clover has to kind of earn a lot of goodwill and having something like this happen where you're just like, mm-hmm. is he not going to be chased off by the fucking dude with glasses or something like that? Like, oh, this is my big heroic sacrifice. Oh, all my wood magic is <laughs> coming at you or whatever my magic was. And then, like, at the end of it, like, he used everything except the last bit that would kill him. He'll recover just fine. <laughs> <laughs> he'll have some bandages and have to be put under a glowing thing that'll heal him for a while <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're gonna send him to wakanda and they'll push vibranium <laughs> beads into him and he'll be fine you're like i guess that's just how the this world works oh uh, yeah anyway nick can you remember where black clover was at the start of 2019 was it when the former villains decided to team up with Asta and go and rescue everyone. 
It's a that was a little bit after that. So this okay. was the the fight against uh, Elf Gauche, where Henry had like kind of a flashback, but he didn't actually do anything really in that chapter except they made oh, okay. like, Black Bull headquarters out of glass or something like that. So it, it's 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 very close to that point. But yeah, it was a little bit before that, I think. Damn. Oh well. All right. One Piece chapter 966, Roger and Whitebeard. Uh, this chapter features Roger and Whitebeard. So as we established in the previous chapter, uh, Whitebeard and Odin and Roger Screw have all wound up on the same island. Odin storms in uh, tor- through the through Roger's crew, managed to easily mow down a few of them, but... Uh, as uh, Raleigh and Gabin, Gabin, Gabin. He's got some pirate emblems seemingly on his shirt. Anyway, uh, they step in to deal with him and uh, Rogers calls out, stop. And then he kind of like does this goofy run past him. He's like, I wouldn't want you guys to get hurt. And he's like, you, you just want to fight him. We know you just want to fight him. And uh, so they clash and Roger basically knocks Odin on his ass, just sends him flying with one slash. And I do really like that Odin immediately is just like, hey, just starts (laughs) running back towards him. (laughs) Uh, But before he can get back, Whitebeard steps in and they clash and their blades don't actually even touch each other. They're just so much weight behind each of their blows that the air between them clashes and sends out this huge, massive explosion of power. Uh, and uh, each of them kind of grin as they look at each other, uh, greeting each other after seeing each other for a while. And then both of them go, drop your valuables and leave at the exact same time. And then they laugh. And essentially what happens is they have an incredibly long drawn out battle, which is just kind of glossed over as their crews clash and then by the end of it, everyone's just drinking together and having a good time. Uh, so they're too evenly matched, basically, for them to even bother fighting. And so now they're just hanging out and uh, you know, having a good time. Um, there is a bit where um, the guy in Whitebeard's crew that we were actually talking about last time with the hat um, notes that Shanks and Buggy uh, have you know, are just standing there. And despite the fact that they look really young, they've got the attitudes of grown men. And then we cut over to them and they're talking about the guy in the hat. They're like, Hey, you know, I heard that he didn't sleep at all during the ceasefire last night. And then they have a weird conversation about it being like, Oh wow. He's never slept in his life. I've heard. Oh wow. What a lucky guy. I bet his life has been twice as fun. But he's like, no, he's really scary is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Did we mention that's Blackbeard? It is Blackbeard. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, it's it is Blackbeard. We it was also confirmed there's, there's there's also been a drawing Oda's done of him that shows Black like in an SBS or something like that. That it was like Blackbeard like at like with a moon behind him, like kind of sniffling. So kinda adds a little bit more context when you find like, oh, he's never slept in his life, so mm-hmm. maybe that's part of the reason why. So and also why his why his eyes are so messed up too. So it's a man who never dreams, Nick. That's why he's got the biggest dream of them all. That was poetic. Well done. Thank you. Uh, Odin and Whitebeard and Roger are all having a conversation. 
as Roger reacts in shock when Odin's like, yeah, I can read this. Uh, so they, then he's like, oh, how do you possess this text? And they say, this is the secret cipher of the Kazuki clan of Wano, passed down strictly from generation to generation. And Roger gives a bit of exposition saying, you know, we, we, we landed at the destination of the final log pose where no one had ever reached before, a place called the Lodestar Island. But when we disembarked, giddy at what we might find, we realized that it was not the final island. The needles of the log pose went haywire, refusing to point out a new destination. But... There is one more island, and only by going there will the unprecedented circumnavigation of the globe be complete. And so he brings up, you know, the red poneglyphs, and he says, the problem is that these are the poneglyphs that the world government has long forbidden anyone to read. You know, you thought they were just cultural relics? Think again. They're the map that we need. So the stories say that a vast treasure awaits on the final island. The government says, don't go there. That only makes the stories about treasure more believable. And if we can get there, we'll be the greatest pirate crew in the world in both name and fact. And then he starts to basically be like, and then I'll be. And it seems like he's about to say, I'll be king of the pirates. And then Whitebeard suddenly starts laughing. He's like, are you serious, Roger? Why are you a little boy? Uh, But Odin is reacting in shock about all of this. And he's like, who is who is this man? You know. And so Roger proposes to Whitebeard like, hey. Let me borrow Odin uh, and have him be part of my crew for one year. It's the last thing I'll ever ask of you. With him, I'm certain that I can reach the final island. And he even actually gets down and bows to, while asking for this. Uh, and he begs Odin to come with him. Uh, and Whitebeard's like, no, you're like stealing my family from me by asking to do this. But Odin says in narration, my blood cried out to me. It asked, why can the Kozuki clan read these letters? Why have I come across Roger at this moment in time? And before I knew it, the words were leaving my mouth on their own. And he says, will you let me go with him? And Whitebeard gives the same look of like, that they've been doing all throughout this part of the flashback. But he's like, all right, you know, one year. Uh, Everyone else agrees to remain behind on Whitebeard's ship. Uh, Whitebeard is throwing a bit of a pouty fit. uh, Now that he has to say goodbye goodbye like this um and everyone says all right goodbye goodbye and they and roger sets off with odin as part of his crew now and uh then of course it turns out that yeah momonosuke and yori are with them al- uh, along with uh with toki uh and uh dog storm and cat viper there too like yeah we decided it was more fun going with you <laughs> well fair i guess so that's how Izo ended up as a member of Whitebeard's crew. Was that everyone else left? <laughs> so, uh, uh, Odin, you know, gets to know Roger's crew and everything. We get a little bit of a montage of their adventures together and hanging out together and stuff. And uh, then they bring up, oh yeah, um, Roger's got like a year to live at best. And so Roger says, yes, I've got to make my time left count. And we see them going up to Skypea, uh, coming across the other golden bell and everything. Uh, And uh, then, of course, they come across the Poneglyph and Skypea. And they're like, ah, it was easy to find this stone. Uh, And, you know, Wano is, you know, reading and they're like, "Okay, okay." And then Roger says, carve a message for me. I hereby guide this document to its end, just like this. 
And we get a narration from Odin to end the chapter saying, show it to me, Roger. Show me the final chapter of your grand life-spanning adventure. Hmm. All right. So, a lot of connecting the dots kind of happens in this chapter. We kind of figure that this would be about what would happen. And we also, you know, get a little bit of like, oh, hey, we actually get to see the message being carved. So that's a nice little detail. Yeah. Um, I wonder how much longer we're going to be in this. I, I get the feeling that the that the flashback is in its final stretch, because presumably after this point, we've got to get to the point where we wrap up Odin's journey and have him actually get back to Wano so that all the stuff can happen that leads to his death and everyone being sent forward in time. Yeah. So. But she is that that's still a lot of ground to cover. So. Uh, so that's there's a lot to actually digest within all that, too. So. It's cool. It's really nice to see we're getting more of this lore of the Gold Rogers and Whitebeard stuff and actually feeling like it is kind of as epic as it's always been out to be. It's not as like mind shattering if we had read this maybe like five arcs ago or something like that, because we've slowly gotten to be more accustomed to a lot of the bigger aspects of One Piece. But it's nice that this doesn't feel like an afterthought of things that, you know, it feels like you are getting at least rewarded for being like, Oh, I've really been interested in gold Rogers crew and how he acted. And you're like, Oh no, like we're starting to actually just get scenes of gold Roger talking and hanging about. So I'm like, that's pretty crazy. Hmm. All right, Nick. Well, remember where one piece was at the start of 2019. I know they're in Wano. Um, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. You are correct on that. Uh, well, while we were um, looking over stuff to talk about, you know, like the year and rewards and stuff, I did read something that was about halfway through the year that helps me kind of narrow it down a little bit. But even so, I get the sense that it's something that's not particularly, oh, that's when this thing happened, you know. Um, I don't know. Would it have been... This might be a little bit too far forward in the year. Was it the chapter where we got like the big introduction to Kamurosaki as as in Hiori, you know? Yeah, no, that's it. Exactly. This was like sort of the chapter where Luffy had been in prison and we find out that Kamurosaki like has this relationship with men where she kind of tricks them. It's like the big parade. Really? It's, it's like the big parade on down, like, down the way. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I got good at this all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm so bad at this generally. I don't know. Maybe I managed to carve out some of it uh, from last year. Uh, so. I mean, there was a lot in there, but yeah, yeah, I mean, we've kind of had a lot. I mean, it's weird when you think about how at the start of 2019, there was really no clue how one piece was mm -hmm. going to go, like how this arc was kind of going to go. But uh, it's just kind of crazy how much stuff kind of came together after that. Cool. All right. Well, now, Nick, before we get to anything else, this is the most important one. Most important one. Where was World Trigger at the start of 2019? Uh, well, this just come back. I feel so. like I'm throwing you a gimme here because there's also yeah. two chapters here. Right. Uh, I, I mean, it was during Tamakoma 2's first of the two battles that they've been part of in the Rank Wars this year. So... I don't know exactly what part of the battle it was, It was, but I know that much. <laughs> so you're like, it's one of the two fights that encompassed this year, basically. Pretty much. Uh, well, specifically, I guess in case you were wondering, 
it was uh it was still in the tamakoma azuma squad kageyora squad uh mm. suzanari one match uh this was the one where basically we kind of wrapped up beating everybody else to finally get to the point where it was just azuma squad versus tamakoma too mm. so there's been a lot of planning chapters this year then yes. we, we had a lot of planning chapters there was also a couple chapters to kind of wrap things up as well but i think we still hadn't gotten like chica's big like i'm just gonna pull up the fucking mall moment and stuff like that so there were a lot of cha- characters who had really big years and i think chica yeah. was one of them speaking of big <laughs> years that transitions us relatively well into uh talking about you know just how we feel about the 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 year of manga that we've had. Yeah. And to talk about some superlative awards too, as you can see. So, uh, I want to thank Ninja X3I who has been over the course of this year, kind of Mm -hmm. gathering everything for us and putting us all together. One thing we didn't really discuss, uh, was the recommendations we should take going over what we were, uh, recommended in 2019 and kind of giving like our favorites on it. So I'll really quickly run down what we had this year. We had 87 Clockers, the overclocking manga that uh, ended up being a lot more pre- like misogynistic than yeah, I expected it yeah. to be. Uh, we did it doesn't po- seem like it would have a lot of room for that, but it did. <laughs> yeah, they managed to find a way in there. Uh, Pokemon Adventures Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, Please Don't Bully Me, Nagatoro, with uh, the girl who bullies the guy and then eventually kind of they fall in love or something. Uh, the climber we took a look at, girl Saurus, which was just about uh, the the bunch of fat jokes about some girl. There was all, all other unfortunate things, but yes, yeah. that was the the starting point. Yes, uh, we did Stone Ocean, Judges of Adventure Part Six. We did Bloom Into You, which I think at the time I may have even mentioned during that recap. I was like, this is the one that at the end of the year, when I'm looking over, I'm going to say, I have no idea what this series was about. And if so, I was 100% correct, because I have no idea what Bloom and You is. It was a series about two lesbians who fell in love. Okay. No, no idea. Okay. Uh, then we had Spy Family, which was uh, a big, uh, big love lifter. Before yeah. we then talked about Kodomo no Jikan. <sighs> and then Harriman. And then, and then Happy, Happy Sugar, Sugger Life, Life and, uh, and Tokyo. Te- and out of Tokyo those Red four, Bull. it's like Happy Sugar Life. It looks pretty damn good, actually. <laughs> uh, and then we finished off the year. We we added Chainsaw Man to the recap, but we did a, re- a recommendation for it. And then Buster Keel and Elect- the Electric Tail of Pikachu were the two big ones at the end of the year. That so this Nick, was the first. This was the first time that we actually started reading a recommendation, and then just were just like, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> there was an odd stretch in the second half of of the this year. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So Nick, what would be your favorites of the year? My favorite series that we covered this year were, uh, please don't bully me, Nagatoro. Okay. Uh, that that is a series that I still go and check on to see if there are new chapters that are out. It starts off very troubling uh, in terms of the fact that this girl is just flat out bullying this guy, but eventually their relationship grows into something very very cute. Uh, second behind that is actually Bloom into You. I thought it was a very interesting series. I know they did did not really capture your interest, but it did mine, and it was pretty much almost done by the time that we covered it. So I got to finish read the finish of that 
And then Stone Ocean. I really liked uh, reading that one. Uh, now, in terms of like Spy Family, Chainsaw Man, stuff like that, I tend to not compart. I, I tend to compartmentalize the recommendations that we cover that we then cover later very differently. Um, I know that there was one year where I did, said Fairy Tale was one of my favorite recommendations because it led to us covering the series and I had a lot of fun talking about it, but. I think that I was a little bit more hard up for a good series to talk about <laughs> that year. So, <laughs> well, so I'll say, so my favorites probably were, I, I like Yu-Gi-Oh. I really enjoyed having read Yu-Gi-Oh and being able to say like, now I get it. Now I've read the whole thing. I've read all of what the uh, season zero or whatever you want to call it, everything before Duelist Kingdom. And you get so much more of a complete picture to the, what, actual insanity Yu-Gi-Oh is having enjoyed yeah. all that so I really I really love that uh, The Climber I'm going to say is one of the better ones just because it's, it's such a, really a, yeah. a really different manga too and it then, starts off really shitty yes. and then becomes very interesting <laughs> it's it's astonishing that 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 transition over it too and then uh, I'm probably going to say like it feels cheating to say Spy Family because it was so good and it was just in the year, but we only read it when it was like 11 chapters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I were to take out like chainsaw man and spy family and those ones, I Buster Keel. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. There's a part of me. that's like, is it harem end? Cause it was one of the ones I hated the least. Uh, I guess electric tail of pikachu's interest i would say in lieu of anything else don't even put me down for a third one if i'm not thinking these other ones okay none of them are not necessarily that bad it's just nothing really like stands out like oh i'm so glad we read that one or something like that Um, right but i will know the audience said their their top three best were spy family chainsaw man and then jojo's bizarre adventure not surprising at all and then the worst three were kodomo jikan tokyo road ghoul and harriman Oh, what am I supposed to say were my least favorites? <laughs> <laughs> I will say that um, Tokyo Red Hood, because I didn't read it, is not in my bottom three. Uh, instead, I slide in Girl Source there. But in terms of series that I had, the, the it's really hard for me to pick what my least favorite was. Um, I eventually settled on Kodomo no Jikan just because... I read through that entire thing, um, and there is so much that I hate about it. That said, even though it is my least favorite series that we covered this year, there was still more positive I remember about it than there was in Harem End, because Harem End was just a big pile of shit that I just got through very quickly, and it was devoid of anything likable. Kodomo no Jikan, there were elements that, if put in a good series, would be good. Uh, and then Girl Source goes below that because it was bad, but it wasn't as offensively bad as either of those two. So, so I, I would say for worst, it's definitely got to be Kodomo Jikan, and then after that, it's probably eighty seven Clockers. Mm. But I'm real tempted to because I, I I have a mentality that says there's very few things like I hate bad stuff that's like offensive. But then there's like the bad stuff that's just like shitty and kind of funny. And the stuff that's even worse than that to me is nothing, like just bland. So I kind of want to put Bloom into you as one of my three. 
because I remember nothing about it until you mentioned that it was the the Yuri romance series. I, I, like, and I'm looking at like images of it now, and I'm honestly I'm still not remembering <laughs> anything here. Like, I, it, it's almost like uh, like I got hit with the in the Men in Black neuralizer or something like that. Like, <laughs> like, like while reading the series. Like I stumbled upon like a, a an ancient secret, and they were like, "Well, we have to just wipe out your mind." So I guess Bloomington goes with it or something. Uh, but it feels mean to say that, so I'll, I'll go with Girl Source. But understand that uh, Bloomington seems like a very close thing. I really remember nothing about this series. I feel like in the conversation, because uh, I do want to give like a bit of an honorable mention to saying that yes, cl- the climber was also good. Uh, it, it was it came close to actually being one of them on my favorites. Uh, and also, neither of us mentioned the Diamond and Pearl chapters of Pokemon, but I do remember that we both really liked them because yeah. we liked uh, the bond between the three main characters. So it's also harder to remember the ones at the start of the year than towards yes. the end of the year. Yes, obviously, like so I, that um, said something for eighty-seven clockers yeah. for you then that it was. A I just remember at the time I was like, man, this is like a really mean fucking manga towards these women. I don't understand it. I just remember thinking it was really stupid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, all right. With that, let's move on to a superlative award here, Nick. Let's talk about best hero. Who was the best shonen protagonist in Shonen Jump? Or I guess uh, no, everything in here is shonen. Who was the best Shonen Jump protagonist hero, Nick? Uh, to give some nominees here, there was Emma, Promised Neverland, uh, Neo from Neolation, Uega from We Never Learn. Ryunosuke from Last Sayoki, Tayo, pfft, I'm just going to skip that one, Twilight, <laughs> K. Lloyd from Spy Family, Denji from Chainsaw Man, Anya from Ch- er, Spy Family, Husei from World Trigger, and Odin from One Piece. Uh, I am going to say uh, Yuiga because, damn, boy. <laughs> <laughs> he he finally had a, you know, a thing that was actually focusing on him developing, uh, this year. And at the same time, you know, there was a lot, there was a lot of character growth that happened and we never learn. Uh, that was the entire point basically of this stretch of the manga of them coming to towards the end of their arcs and their journeys and stuff. And each of them taking a big step forward. And of course, because of the nature of the series, Yuga was instrumental in basically all of them in addition to what happened to just him. So that is why I'm going with him. Yeah. I think that's probably the right answer. I think Yuga was probably the strongest protagonist of this year. In previous years, it's been Emma. A lot of the time has been like the big consideration. And I totally get that. I don't think in this year she's had as strong of a full-on presence. She had a big, big moment when she was talking to whatever the great one or whatever it was. Um, so there is a moment for her definitely in there. I probably am going to lean towards Uega, although there is a part of me that wonders, because I think like in the past few weeks, I feel like I've gotten Odin, my character of the week, like two or three times. So I'm curious if like, if you tally them up, would I have given him more <laughs> character of the weeks than Uega? Uh, but I, I will give it to Uega. I think he, he just had a really strong air in general. I gotcha. According to, let's see here, uh, that's the wrong page, because I know that, well, because I know that Ninja um, X3I keeps track of that as well, so. Uh, well, while you're looking for that, I'll just note that the audience also picked 
Uega as the winner of the best hero? Uh, according to this, most often, oh God, I don't know about individual characters. Shit. Here it is. Here it is. Hang on. I just uh, scrolled down. It was Odin, according to this. And, so, uh, is it? Yeah. It was it, Odin was the most common MVP for you this year. Okay. So. Well, maybe it should be Odin. I think I'm going to stick with Uega, but I really do like Odin. I think he's a really fun character. Uh, all right. Let's talk about the best new character, Nick. Enough of these old has-beens and their, their classic manga protagonist moments. Let's talk about the best new character. Almost everyone in Chainsaw Man. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe. So some of the options were Gavaldon from Neolation, Francois from Dr. Stone, Ryanusuke from La Sayuki, Lumiere from Black Clover, Sekre from Black Clover, Estelle from La Sayuki, uh, Ash from Promised Neverland, Gielan from Promised Neverland. We can just take that one out. <laughs> Anya from Spy Family, Reze from Chainsaw Man, on from Sam, take that out. What samurai? Ate? Get her out of here now. <laughs> Odin from One Piece. Chris is just like veto that one, veto that one. <laughs> Somebody like this is garbage. This is poop too. Fans, uh, you have terrible taste. Fuck you. Uh, and then uh, Lloyd from Spy Family. I am going to go with Sekre. Uh, there are a lot of great characters in that list that I have enjoyed, but to have a new character that I actually did really connect with that wasn't just like, Zora's so awesome. He tells everyone they suck. Come out of Black Clover. <laughs> I has been really nice. And Sekra has been one of the one of those characters that I'm like, I really like what you know you're about and what you do. So every time it seems that she has shown up, uh, I have enjoyed her contribution to the series since she took on the Sekra form. There are definitely some characters in there that are like, oh, I really like that uh, that character that got introduced. Uh, I really love Francois, uh, and I do like Aishi, but they have had much less to do outside of just the introductory stuff surrounding them. So in terms of a character of more influence, I'm going to go with Sekre. Yep. Uh, hold on a second. I got, I got lost here. I was trying to navigate from one chapter to the other. All right. Um, so I'll be honest. The person who I kind of want to give it to isn't actually in this list. Mm. Um, but I guess it's because technically she was from last year. I kind of want to give it to Power from, from Chainsaw Man. And technically, I guess she was introduced right at the end of last year. But all of her biggest moments are this year. So I kinda, I, I, I want to give it to her for that. But in And little... we'll get to some of her moments without repeating so that we don't repeat ourselves because a lot of them were nominated, too. Yeah. So but in lieu of that, I will probably give it to I think I'm going to give it to Reze from Chainsaw Man, although I do want to also kind of give it to Anya from Spy Family. But I think I'm going to give it to Reze from Chainsaw Man just because that feels like a character that Chainsaw Man becomes really successful if it gets like an anime i feel like that's a character that's going to become iconic in a way in the same way that maybe even you look at a character like my hughes from from alchemist you know they're kind of iconic for being tragically killed but you know i think that's definitely going to be a character who when you think of that series you'll be like oh I remember reze you're going to talk about that or it's going to be something to kind of you know think back to uh, and that's also what the audience picked is their favorite new character this year so. Reze's whole arc has definitely felt like a big turning point for Chainsaw Man in demonstrating that, hey, this series is capable of, you know, having really, uh, you know, 
uh, an arc that has really cool action and introduces a really interesting, compelling villain. Because who are the villains in Chainsaw Man been prior to this? Weird monsters. Yeah, I was so. the Katana guy. <laughs> yeah. And I don't really remember outside of that. So it's, yeah, I think it's a super good one. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the best new power technique. Now, there's a lot in here that's honestly probably too many to specifically call it individually. But Nick, yeah. you have it open as well. So I'm sure you're able to. to I've got to I've well. got to, to quickly scroll over to well, that I'll, tab. But I'll yeah. note that the audience's favorite was twice as infinite doubles. The sad man's parade, which is a very good one. I think it's definitely a worthy like contender for like the best new power that we saw this year. Uh, my personal favorite that's on here, though, was Sheikah's Hyper Meteor, where she just basically exploded the building. Not just because it was cool, but there was a lot of, like, real buildup over years to kind of get to that point. That it was really satisfying to see her just fucking annihilate something in such a huge way. And you're like, you know what? It's not like it wasn't daunt. She didn't shout out like hyper meteor when she did it or anything like that, just because that's not really how world trigger works. But it was such a cool moment to see like her finally fire off this big attack and be like, oh, it, it hit. And it just it was great. I, I want to make a note that one of the nominations is dingy riding beam. <laughs> Hey, it's a technique, I guess. <laughs> I, can't, I can't say you're wrong. <laughs> this is kind of a cop-out a little bit, um, but I'm going to go with the Nyoibo in The Last Sayuki. Okay. Be it's a bit of a cop-out because it was just a general technique that, like, every, you know, everyone could use. But I really liked the way that it would be used at certain points, uh, the way that, you know, Ryunosuke would wield his like a bat, the way that it could you know grow out a bunch of different branches. Uh, there was an enemy that had it theirs that went through the whole body. Uh, and I just like the idea of like, oh, yeah, it's, you know, it's, you know like the extendo staff from, you know, turning to the West, but uh, done in a lot of different ways. So. So this is a, a tough one then. This is the best speech in 2019, and there are so many uh, along this list. Again, this is one of those ones where there's, there's too many for us to individually go by kind of what they do over and over again. Uh, but the audience, I'll say, specifically call uh, their favorite as uh, Luffy uniting the Udon prisoners. It was a cool speech. Yeah, yeah, where he talks about like, you know, this stuff, it has no effect on me. And the samurai I know are strong and hardy. And, but you guys are broken all the way in the inside. What do you mean normal life? He has this whole big speech uniting them together. It's a very cool moment. I'm still going. That's over a good options. one. I like that one. Nick, too. Uh, ah, pardon me. I'm going to give mine to and I, I kind of picked this one maybe partially because it's been a little bit more recent. But uh, I'm going to give mine to Escanor's poem, uh, which was sort of like the thing that he did at the end there where he's like, oh, heroes who have seven wounds carved up into their hearts, neither fear nor despair exist for thee. What thou hast is courage, pride and camaraderie. It was nice seeing that he actually 
like I know they had only like really established it like just a couple chapters prior that he apparently had poet like he was a poet at some points, but it was nice having it. it was a nice way to kind of end off that character. And in a year where there weren't too many like actual character deaths, this was a pretty uh a pretty big one. I am actually also going to go with the audience's choice on Luffy's speech because it's a good speech, and I remember how you know like oh man, this is. I, I remember the reaction to it being like, oh, this is, you know, something that's like, yeah, Luffy could be like King of the Pirates. And it really highlights his character being able to draw this out of people. So, yes. All right. So let's talk about the biggest what the fuck moment in manga. This is actually a really easy choice yeah. for me. <laughs> uh, so the first option, the quote unquote epilogue is interrupted when Elizabeth is seemingly crushed by a giant rock. Uh, old men Senzaemon somehow being the one behind everything through his diamond generation. Food war, food wars ending with no conclusion of anything. <laughs> the series, I just like that. That's how they found it. Food wars ending with no conclusion of anything. The series starts by blaming foreigners and globalization for things going wrong in Japan from Tokyo Shinobi Squad. Eden Zero being Zhao Mai basically has a bowel fetish. Uh, the blatant celebrity inserts. From Tokyo Shinobi Squad. We must not have read that part. We must have dropped it before I got to that. No, no, it, I forgot it, it, it happened. It happened. It? I, uh, yeah. Wow, man. The Justin Bieber incident was definitely something that was covered in the first three chapters. It might uh, have been oh, that's right. Five. That's right. That's right. It was. Yeah, yeah. Now you mentioned it. Karasu's boobs caused Uega to time travel. <laughs> Asahi is the bastard son of Azami, and thus also Eren as half-brother from Food Wars. The Wizard King revives himself, effectively undoing the only major consequence of the reincarnation arc from Black Clover. Um, this one's odd because it specifies numerous moments where Shiki is an it's, unlikable it's, it's, asshole. It's, 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 it's a little bit of a... yeah. Uh, Dharma somehow being the developer of the Samurai VR game that trained on Shimaru. <laughs> that, that's it for me. Like... <laughs> He made a VR game to find a pupil worthy of being his successor. You know, while blind. When I looked up for this list, I said to myself, what possibly beats Elizabeth being crushed by that fucking rock in that chapter? Because I've never reached a moment in my life where I've looked at the show like, what the fuck is happening so much? And the audience, they picked uh, the Kirisu's boobs cause you get time travel. It's like another crazy one. But the moment I read it, I was like, that was 100% that Daruma made a video game. This is why I'm picking this disciple. Like, he programmed it. He made a full MMO. He's, I guess, intentionally filling it with new content. Like, <laughs> uh, I really should be searching for that new disciple, but I've got to really least the next patch <laughs> i gotta get a star wars cameo in there <laughs> uh, thank god that mcdermott recorded this palpatine <laughs> voice line for me <laughs> holy shit oh man yeah that's my book oh uh, there's a bit more uh himeno vomiting into denji's mouth when he expects a kiss random rapey spade kingdom soldiers merlin somehow being the one behind everything in the latest chapter and then hachimaru from samurai saying nice praying and <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one which is funny but not nearly as what the fuck he is dharma designing a fucking video game to get a samurai disciple it's <laughs> fuck 
man. It really is a spine-boggling thing when you say it out loud. All right. Uh, let's move on then to one of my favorites of the year, the best two-page spread. And because a lot of people, I'm sure, are listening to this solely via the audio thing, we're not going to basically like detail what every one of these are. But you can always find these if you check out the... Um, the spreadsheet that Ninja X3i maintains, you can find it over on our Discord then. There's a ton of these on here from a lot of different series. Uh, some color pages are in there. Uh, a lot of Dr. Stone. Uh, a lot of different things. Nick, you've been able to look over this list. Is there one that calls out to you as your favorite of the year? Dr. Stone's two-page color spread with over one punching. It's such a cool color spread. It, it, it's, it, I love it. Uh, so yeah. It is very good. Um, the audience picked Denji defeating the Katana level devil using his chainsaw legs, which is a pretty cool one as well. I, I do like that one. Um, I think I'm honestly, I'm going to give mine to, uh, double unleashing all of his, his clones from my hero academia 229. Cause twice. it is a, a, twice. Yeah. Rather using uh, like all the clones coming out of there, his arms broken. I do want to give like a special attention to that chapter as being a supremely great moment. <laughs> and honestly, if that moment hadn't been in there, I don't think the here my villain academia arc would be considered as, nearly as much of a success as it was. So I, I really want to call special attention to that guy. All right, best then, twist, Nick. Yes, there's a lot uh, on here. A lot. There are a lot, Minerva, and some of them I don't think are twists. But uh, Minerva yeah. was Norman. Uh, Charmy is a half dwarf. My villain academia. Uh, Sanji's raid suit gives him invisibility. Everyone on the Perseus getting stoned. Uh, the demon for the manga's first page was leashed who transformed himself in order to counter the demon's plan. I don't mean, all right. The false epilogue. Um, from the Seven Deadly yeah. Sins. Yeah. Uh, Big Mom and Kaido decide to team up. Uh, Norman never intended to change his plan to annihilate the demons. Uh, the master of the petrification, uh, petrification kingdom is actually petrified and gruesomely broken. Um, I don't know why the soul and Charlotte one's on there. I guess that's a twist. Um, Sanji was a member of the royal family. Ibarra took Kaku's earpiece to eavesdrops in the kingdom of sciences communication. Um, yeah, and then Merlin manipulating the seven daily sins for her goals of releasing chaos. Yeah. Uh, Pretty easy choice, honestly, for me. I'm going with the rocks fall, uh, <laughs> false yeah. epilogue, because it was a legitimate shock. Uh, and it, because when it happened, I believe that I said, like, well, I mean, I don't think that Elizabeth's actually dead. But even so, you know, it was a huge shock to just be like, oh, I guess the series is not over then. To have so, an yeah. entire chapter devoted to characters like saying goodbye. It was multiple chapters. Big, yeah. yeah. And then having this big one page spread of fucking uh, melodious waving as Elizabeth's walking in the background and just cuts the same fucking panel in a box <laughs> and just falling and crushed Elizabeth. You're like, holy shit. Yeah, that's it. 100%. It's what the audience picked as well. It's the best twist of the year. Uh, then we have best fight. And this is, this one's also kind of tough because I don't really think there are that many great options for fights this year there weren't a ton of fights in manga that really kind of carried across world triggers had a couple uh there were a bunch of my hero academia during the the league of villains fight um last last sayuki had some naruto and delta naruto and sasuke versus jigan 
Um, I mean, fucking Eden Zeros had a thousand, but they all suck. Um, I don't know. Nick, where 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 do you fall on this? Reze is uh, going after Denji. Uh, okay. I, we had a great time every single chapter that that was going on. I love how it just kind of keeps on moving, and it's this continuous terminator style sequence up until it switches gears with you know denji and beam going up against typhoon and reze and this huge brawl there are you know and suddenly it becomes more comical and action-packed and then it resolves not with them being the fuck out of each other but with them falling over into the ocean so that is what the audience picked as well i'm gonna give mine it's not technically on here it's just included in one of them but the league of villains versus the metal liberation army i, I specifically want to give it to the twice fight against I, I can't remember what his name was the clone guy or whatever mm. but it was such a great encounter and it was really cool seeing how it like all played out at the end so i, I want to give special attention to that one mm. that's a really good one nick most improved character went through real quick you wake up from we never learned curious from we never learned you say twice sec gray from black clover Ginra from Dr. Stone, Ogata from We Never Learned, Chica from World Trigger, Husei from World Trigger, Merlin from Seven Deadly Sins, and Aruka from We Never Learned. I don't think Aruka should be on it. I think we kind of established right. she had been much better after her first introduction. I think last year was her improvement year. I'm going to stick with the We Never Learned thing. It's I know that, it's kind of, that they kind of like stack the deck because in, if we're talking about this you know, aspect of it, because the series is all about moving forward and trying to get better. Um, but I'm going to give it to Kirisu. Okay. Uh, I think that she became a much more admirable character once you got into her head and saw where she was coming from and saw her actually trying to get closer to these students that she had been so deliberately cold towards before. Also, gave her more admirable qualities uh, instead of just being like, oh, she's really good at, uh, at uh, teaching and lessons, but she's bad at cleaning up after herself. So. Uh, in in a, a perfect world, World Trigger would still be weekly. And this award would go to Chica because she's had just a crazy year. But unfortunately, because it's monthly and we even lost a couple months during that because of it, mm -hmm. we haven't really had her arc complete yet. She's not done improving. So yeah. I, I want to pay attention to it. But I honestly, I'm going to give my I, I like Merlin and I liked uh, uh, Ginro a lot. But I'm going to give mine to Sekiro from Black Clover because she has kind of emerged as the only other character outside of uh, Zora who I'm like. I can stand you. You're like a member of the Black Bulls who isn't the exact same fucking personality as everyone else. So I, I really enjoy that there's someone like that in Black Clover. Hmm. And right. then best villain, Nick, of all of the villains of 2019, who was your favorite? In terms of actually being a villain, I'm going to give it to Ibarra. Uh, it surprised me to have, you know, Dr. Stone have such an effective antagonist. Uh, given the premise of the series and how, you know, Tsukasa was a much more relatable kind of character. You saw where he was coming from. And then Hyoko was just kind of a dick. Yeah. But Ibarra feels like a really disgustingly hateable person. And he's very memorable in yeah. his actions, in his, the way he's drawn. Uh, so that's going to be it for me. There were definitely some that were more entertaining. Like, I think the Queen was a much more fun character to follow whenever he showed up. I thought that Givaldin was really was really interesting, but we didn't get to see him do much. But uh, it's got to be Irar for me. Uh, I want to specify because I forgot to mention it. Uh, twice won the most improved character for the audience. Oh. And then uh, my villain, I, I want to agree with you. I want to give it to a bar, but I think I'm going to give it to Reze from Chainsaw Man. Mm. I, she had a lot less sh amount of time, but 
just so effective in everything she did. And at the end, I guess you can even kind of argue, is she even a, a villain in the same way? If I was to say like the best full on heel, it's a bar without a doubt. He's, he's just so unlikable. Uh, but I really liked what they did with Reze and it was a nice change of character pace for that series as well to kind of have someone who you sort of sympathize with and gave a lot more complexity to those characters. Uh, the audience picked, of course, Shigaraki because they are losers who have no taste for death. <laughs> <laughs> just one to be mean. Uh, they picked they pick Shigaraki. You did have a really big year, too, and has been very good. And then, yes. finally, this is the big yes. one, Nick. What was the best series of 2019? <sighs> I'll, I'll note the audience picked Spy Family, which is perfectly understandable. That's definitely understandable. Uh, It's... It difficult because there were a lot of series that kind of felt like things weren't quite as good for them as they had been previous years. Um, I think that of the series that did really well this year, I think that we never learned had a really good year. Mm-hmm. Dr. Stone was good as it kind of has been consistently. Um, I am also, I am going to ever agree with, with the choice of uh, spy family because it has been great from inception up to now without like a single chapter that hasn't been incredibly entertaining. So, uh, somebody marked a gravity boys off, which I feel like is a mistake. That was going to be my pick, but since it's not an option, I guess I'll go with a different one. Um, looking down them, there's quite a few that I think had really strong years. Uh, Dr. Stone, as you mentioned, uh, my heroes had a pretty decent year. I think one piece I think has had a rough start, but like the last half, maybe even like maybe if you want to say last third of the year has been really, really strong. Uh, Spy Family, Seven Deadly Sins had a crazy year. Uh, we Never Learn and World Trigger both like really strong. I'm going to give mine, though, I think to Chainsaw Man. Uh, part of it's a little bit spoiled, I guess, because I read so much of it in a concentrated burst. But I think Chainsaw Man has just been, in my mind, the most interesting series this year. And just if it w- if it didn't have the Reze chapters towards the end, I probably wouldn't have given it to it. But those Reze chapters have shown that the author has an ability to tell well-crafted emotional stories. It's not all just, I've made a perpetual blood machine and crazy <laughs> nonsense like that. Like, oh, no, you're actually able to just tug my heartstrings and, and tell me this this kind of crazy story. So I think I'll give it to Chainsaw Man. I, I think it was a really, really strong series this year. And uh, I think, in oh, general, this was a pretty good year for a lot of series. So I, I really enjoy that. Yeah. Yep. Well, we are out of time, Chris. Yes, we have to get going, guys. So we will see you guys for the rest of this year. Join us next week and each week beyond that as we head into the new decade. And uh, if you want to look back at some of the stuff that we've talked about, however, you can always go on weeklymongerecap.podbean.com. Check all that stuff out. Once again, we want to extend a thanks to NGX3i for making this section of the podcast infinitely easier to yes. keep organized. Uh and as well to everyone who helps make the podcast what it is, people support us on Patreon, as well as our talk artist, Steve Mann, uh, freaking infamous planet. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to remember his name himself, and I just kind of said it dismissively. Infamous <laughs> planet. <laughs> Winsley L. Cheddar and Gage Sunberg. Not Gage Sunberg. Sorry. Milo, fucking Milo Jackson. Milo Jackson. Gage is a different person. Sorry. I was looking at a contact list and got confused. Anyway. You guys all help us out with so many cool things and help us make the show better than it should be. 
honestly. Absolutely. So thank you guys. And thank you for following us. And thank you for listening to us for another decade. Yes, so. it has been very fun. Weekly Manga Recap has existed almost a decade now. So yeah, it's been crazy. Close. Well, I'm sure at some point we'll be able to wax philosophic on that more. This episode, unfortunately, has to be cut short. But thank you, everybody. Everybody has a great new year, too. You know, take care of yourself, guys. Yes. Do that. Indeed. All right. Goodbye.